Hello and welcome to Unlicensed Entertainment. Pause there for a second because I almost called it by the name of my old podcast. Uh, I am your host, Carl Etner. With me today, special guest via Zoom, Gavin Morris. Gavin, welcome to the show. Hi, Carl. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. I'm having Gavin on the show today. Uh, we're going to talk The Last of Us Part 2. I teased that on last episode that I was going to review that. But don't worry if you haven't played the game yet. We have plenty of show. We're going to get to that at the end. Warning, we are going to do completely spoilers all out for this because you can't review that game without giving spoilers. But that's going to be some time right now. Right now. Oh, shit. You know what I, I haven't done since I've started this show, Gavin? What's that? What's that? I have not. I used to have a bunch of questions I'd ask for people based on movies and shit like that on my last show, Unlicensed uh, Film Reviewers. And I realized uh, I have absolutely nothing lined up to why I should okay. ask you about. Is there anything you want to talk about? Uh uh, about your experience with entertainment or why you're even on this show today uh, that I should get to? Or do you just want to get into the uh, entertainment news? As in, like, what, what's my history with entertainment, you mean? Oh, I guess, or, yeah, shit. I, I really should have <laughs> thought this through. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. No, I came on here expecting professionalism. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is perfect. Um, I mean, I can give just a little background on, on who I am. I mean, I met you, oh, gosh, probably... 15 years ago, so, I want yeah. to say. You were, friends, uh, if, if you were a friend of a member of my comedy group. Uh, correct, met correct. Him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, who I had met in an acting class in high school. So Okay, uh, so you take an acting, so you know that part of entertainment. I absolutely know. I've, I've, I've directed, like, some one-act plays and stuff like that. Uh, I used to work for a, uh, uh, a public access station in Hacienda Heights that I believe is not around anymore, so... Nothing's around anymore. Pandemics. Uh, if it was around before, it's gone now because pandemic. It's, oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, this is this is also a great time to be talking entertainment when when Hollywood is taking a hiatus on absolutely everything. I started this podcast two months before everything locked down. It's been hard. <laughs> Basically, it's like movies are going to come back at, in June. No, they're not. No, Movie yeah. news over. Yeah. No. This podcast is. This is the real victim. Oh, yeah. No one has suffered more than me doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've, I mean, I've been involved in theater and, and movies both on and off stage, on and off camera uh, since, I mean, since I was a kid. Uh, born and raised in Southern California, you can't throw a rock without hitting someone who's somehow involved in entertainment. Um, uh, I, I just never made it big on anything. I'm one of those guys that has a lot of people that he knows that made it big and have kind of, you know, gone on to do good things like, uh, uh, Harvey Guillen from, uh, uh, I think he does, uh, what we do in the shadows. Now I've been in plays with him. Oh shit. Uh, Ben, Ben Schwartz. Uh, I knew him back when he was just doing improv at UCB. Uh, Matt Jones, who uh, everyone's probably seen in like breaking bad. And, and, uh, he was one of, uh, Dwight's cousins in, uh, Okay. In, yeah, the kind uh, of the guy the with the funny voice in uh in, of uh, He's, which he has always had. I've kn- I knew that guy back in like I I knew him in fourth grade all the way through just a little bit of college uh, when he left. He actually left to go to uh, do Boomtown Chicago in uh, Amsterdam, which is another uh, improv uh, group. Uh, and yeah, he's always had that voice. He's always had that raspy. Well, ever since I've known him as a kid. Well, so, you've gotten so closer to making it my, just peripherally than I ever had. I know a bunch of people. <laughs> that, that's, what was that? You've made closer to, to making it big than I have just peripherally with knowing people that's, that made it. The <laughs> yeah, biggest no, no, no. I, I, like I said, I, I know a bunch of, it, 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 
it uh, it serves me no purpose whatsoever. But yeah, I I I every now and then I get to watch a movie and go, oh hey, I know that guy. That's yeah. that's about the extent of my my uh, stardom that that I'll probably ever get. Yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be an actor when I grow up. I know I'm probably not gonna get oh, sure. famous, famous, but you know, I'll make enough to live on, live in a nice little apartment, yeah. stuff like that. And then I got to adults, like that's pretty much almost impossible unless you're really fucking lucky. Kill your that's, dreams. Yeah. Don't follow your I dreams did, no matter uh, what. Kill them. Yeah. And then Absolutely. do a podcast that was, that was where you get to talk much about my shit. Thing too. I was going, I was going through uh, all the way through college. I was like, oh yeah, I'm taking acting classes. I'm gonna, you know. I'm really going to pursue acting and, and do this as a career. And, you know, I don't need to be famous. It's, yeah, as long as I'm getting a, a steady paycheck, that'll be fine. And I literally lasted two plays outside of college where they, fun fact, have to accept you into a play. Like, uh-huh. pretty much, unless you completely take an audition in college, they're going to take you for something. Uh, I lasted about two plays and went, oh, wow, this is this is a lot riskier to do when you don't have the backup of, guaranteed employment yeah or you don't have rich so, parents to like cover you oh I'm, absolutely like you have much yeah, better no, chances it, it, is, it is absolutely terrifying and then uh yeah as soon as you get like your first steady job outside of acting you're like oh these are these are wonderful luxuries i'm able to afford now like shoes and food <laughs> this is good i'm gonna keep this up so all right. Well, I think that, that gets us enough to uh, go into the entertainment news for today. By the way, if you uh, yeah, haven't sure. yet, please go to iTunes, everybody, and like the show and give a review. So far, we have absolutely zero reviews, which is great. Means the show's doing awesome. Back yep. in the old days of unlicensed film reviewers, I would get about 100 listens an episode. I am now at about eight. So it's, it's practically the same thing. Oh, yeah. Baby steps. Baby yeah. steps. There we go. All right, so the first thing I wanted to talk about today, because uh, this was a big news story that surprised the hell of me that I did not think it would happen. So a few months ago on the show, I talked about how AMC uh, theaters, do they have those where you are in Texas, AMC? Uh, they do have AMC. Actually, out here, the big one is, uh, there's two, two big ones. One's called Santicos, which is kind of like kind of like Edwards. Okay. Little thing. And then the one that I love is uh, Alamo Draft House. I know I've they heard have of it that. out in Los Angeles. I don't know. Yeah, it is phenomenal. If you get a chance to go to Alamo Draft House, I highly recommend it. Obviously, right now it's a little crazy. Um, uh, I believe they're still shut down because of uh, uh, everything going on. But You're in different rules that you didn't think it could happen. Into, yeah, it's it's it is uh, just a, it's one of those like dine-in theaters, uh, but they're super strict on the whole like uh, if you. Uh, have your cell phone out at all. Uh, if anyone's bothering you, we're going to kick you out. You know, um, they, they full on, they'll have like, you know, Hey, if someone's bothering you, uh, just write it on a little card, uh, mm-hmm. put it up for a ser- for your server and we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll, we'll kick them out. Okay. They have, uh, they've got amazing ads on YouTube. You can see as well where they get like movie stars to come in and do like their, like they had Jeff Goldblum come right. on to do like a, Hey, turn off your cell phone thing. Right. That that's cool. The reason why I was bringing up AMC though, uh, so yeah. a few months ago, AMC had this huge falling out with Universal because Universal released uh, the movie Trolls World Tour straight to yeah. video on demand yeah, without uh, without consulting AMC and just made a shit ton of money off of that. So AMC sure. is like, fine, you do that. You are no longer allowed to show any of your movies at AMC theaters. 
which is a big source right. of revenue once, you know, theaters are allowed to open again. And so they've, they, they've been holding this line for months. That was back in, like, March, maybe yeah, maybe April. Yeah, I remember the headlines on that. Well, they have now come to a new deal on this. AMC has made a deal with, with Universal that they can now release movies on video on demand three weeks after they are out in theaters. So no longer, it used to be three months minimum before you could do that. Now it's just three sure. weeks and then they can do whatever the fuck they want. As long as it's rental. You can't buy it yet, but you can rent it three weeks and just watch right. it from the comfort of your home. That's going to change some things. I feel like a lot of... Yeah, like, I think... Sorry, what? Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that uh, I feel like this is just kind of uh, uh, like chaos control. Like we went from we're going to make no money with you anymore to, okay, we still haven't opened up because of coronavirus. So please give us at least three weeks worth of money for the few theaters that we can have open. And then we'll, you know, we'll yeah. let you do whatever you want. And what what, uh, what Universal's plan with this is they expect people to still want to go to the theaters to see, like, the big tent poles like Jurassic Park or uh, Fast and Furious, stuff like that. But, like, now they're going to try to... Their plan is to start doing more low-budget kind of comedies or dramas and stuff like that. And they feel like they could recoup their losses more with that rather than expecting people to go see it in theaters. Because you don't really need to see a drama on the big screen. You can just sit it and watch it at home. Yeah. Now, I honestly, if it's not the major blockbusters, I never really went to the movies because I, I just kind of figured, well, I don't need to see this on the big screen. We're really lucky. My wife and I actually have a uh, projector at home that we just projected onto our living room wall. So we've already got a pretty fairly large screen that we can watch stuff on. It wasn't until we moved out to uh, to Texas and we had Alamo Draft Houses all over the place where they started offering their subscription service, which... For them, it's called Season Pass. Yeah, AMC I has that, too. Has one as well. My wife and yeah. I have that. So, so once they did that, it was just a flat rate to come see a movie every day. Uh, yeah, that's the only time that I started going to the movies to see little-known things that I would never even probably see on rental. Like, I, I would just go every week to go see something, at least. I miss going to the movies so much. When I did the movie podcast, I would go once or twice a week. And since uh, oh, yeah. and since I quit that podcast, I, mean, I used to go once or twice a month, and now it's been like six months since I've been to a movie. It's fucking insane for me. Yeah, it's uh, definitely. I mean, I'm pretty much shut in already. But this is that's probably the biggest change of of everything that's gone on for me has been I don't get to go to the movies anymore. So, but again, I kind of count my lucky stars. If that's the the worst that'll happen to me, that's great. Oh yeah, no. Everyone should understand the things I complain about on here. I understand that there are worse things going on in the world, but you know, this is, I started a podcast at a bad time. I don't know. No, no, no. Movies. This is it. This This is is all that's going on in the world. The fact that I still have not been able to see James Bond, the new James Bond movie is the worst thing that's happening (laughs) to anybody. (laughs) You should see, if you listen to the old podcast, back when they first announced that they were going to move the date back to November before everything even shut down. My attitude uh, on this was completely different. It's like, then just have the whole people stay home. It's not that big of a deal. And now I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is a big deal. It could hurt a whole bunch of people. It's very easy to give to somebody else. Like, now I understand. But if you listen to that one, like, in February, I sound like a whiny bitch about this thing. I does not understand what the fuck's going on. All right, uh, next story. Oh, on the, we were, I was just going to say, my wife and I actually had traveled to California to go to Disneyland. 
uh, I want to say just a few days before they shut down because of everything going on. At least uh, you got the few days before. And it was crazy because even then we were like, what was that? At least you got it before. At least you got to do something before. Yeah, it was literally, we were, we were been there for like a week and uh, just visiting friends and stuff like that and then going into Disneyland. And it was, it was about two days before they shut down. And I, I remember walking through the park going, I can't believe they're going to shut everything down for this, for this flu thing that's going around. And I cringe at the fact that I, I was saying stuff like that. Yeah, but at least you don't have it recorded you saying that. If it were, like, that's true. I, I've done a completely complete 180 on my opinion on this thing throughout the short time <laughs> I had this podcast. It helps that my wife is a nurse and she's like telling me all the shit that's going down. Well, but but then again, also, I mean, if this is on this podcast, I mean, yes, you've recorded it, but as you said, only eight people know what True. you said. But so. eight people are judging me harshly. <laughs> All right, uh, next next story. Uh, stick with movie theaters. I thought this was kind of unfair, going right back to being complaining about this kind of shit. Uh, uh-huh. So some studios have a new idea for what they're going to do with releases since the movie release dates keep on getting pushed back in the U.S., they're like, okay, screw the spoilers. We're going to release this in Europe and other places that have handled this better. So Tenet is uh, eyeing a release date in, in, in Europe right now, but they're not, they don't have any idea when they're going to do it down here. That sucks. Yeah, I heard about this. This is, this is a complete uh, 180 from what usually happens. I mean, usually we get the world premiere and then, you know, maybe if, you, if, if they're going to do a... a a staggered release. We get the, uh, the premiere, and then a few weeks go by, and they'll they'll put it off in Europe and 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 uh, Asia and and so on and so forth. So this is real interesting. I think I think you're gonna. There's definitely gonna be a lot more uh, uh, pirated copies of movies. Coming Most out. definitely. Um, I think I they mean, just America think that is such a big uh, sponge for entertainment. I think they just think that, you know, it's better to make some money than just holding on to these movies and making absolutely no money whatsoever. They're going to make less money than they would have if they had a grand release, but they, that's not an option right now. So I think there's... Yeah, you know, oh no, what I, they can. I can't fault these guys at all for saying we, we, need, to, we need to make some money. Um, and if it means, you know, releasing it overseas first instead of America, so be it. Because we, we, what choices do they have? Yeah, exactly. No, we fucked up. We do, We have to live with the consequences, but I'm very upset about that. Yeah. Speaking of a little bit lighter news, did you ever watch Wishbone when you were a kid? <laughs> I Okay, I did not watch Wishbone. I had never heard of Wishbone until I met my wife, and she loves it. I think I know what you're, what this next I think, she, think she's going to be very excited. I think she's going to yeah, be very excited she, to hear uh, that Wishbone is getting a movie adaptation. Now, absolutely. Now, I'm going go go to explain this because I'm assuming that a lot of people don't know Wishbone, so they yeah. need to oh, know no, this no, no. amazing explain concept. Explain to them the craziness of this show. Okay, Wishbone is about a dog, right? And this dog is really into classic works of uh, literature. So what it does is, <laughs> it, is like it intersperses like the dog's like life with its humans, with like him flashing into like the life of famous is like he plays like a character from a classic work of a literature he plays like one of the main characters a dog interacting with people in like the three musketeers or joan of arc or hunchback of notre dame there's a dog will play one of the leads 
Very child yeah, friendly, it's, though. It's yeah, it's a Jack Russell Terrier replacing one of the characters of classic literature. But the creepiest part to me is they don't replace the love interests of this dog with dogs. No, that'd so be crazy. Like, he, he did, yeah, he did like Romeo and Juliet. I'm confused what like your problem a is. Dog Romeo and a fe- and a human female Juliet. And for some reason, I'm crazy for being the only one going, uh, are we just going to, like, is there going to be a scene with this girl just doing it doggy style? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I, and I haven't seen that episode. I just know that they did a Romeo and Juliet with a female, a human G, uh, Juliet. And I just can't, I don't know how they handle the entirety of that play. If the ending is just like, well, we got to put Wishbone down. Yeah, like, babe. I have no idea. Well, how- they always they always cleaned it up a little bit, you know, because they couldn't like some fucked up things happen in classic books. So they always clean yeah, up a little which, bit, but yeah, it's still messed up stuff happening in those things. The thing which, I thought was the funny, other great part of Wishbone is that these kids now have a a complete misunderstanding of classic literature. So that years later, when they have to study it in in high school and such, they're going to be sitting there going like. Oh yeah, I saw this. This is the one with the with the dog and and uh, and the human female, and they totally fall in love. Oh shit! Everyone dies. Yeah, what exa- the hell? Exactly. What's crazy about Wishbone, though, I get already everything's crazy, but they actually release books to go with this. So you like buy a book <laughs> with Wishbone on the cover, but all it is, and so it's Wishbone is an adaptation of classic book works of literature put on TV. <laughs> then they took those TV episodes and made it into books. So it just keeps on getting diluted into more and more diluted. It's crazy. I never, I never thought of that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, they have, they have complete misunderstandings of classic literature made into a TV show, and then we're going to water it down even further with books. I had a couple of of them. I loved Wishbone. I still remember, I'm not going to sing a song, but I remember the song, and so it's... It's ridiculous. Look it up online. You can find you find it on YouTube. At least a classic theme song. Oh yeah, no my my wife showed me the the theme song, and I want to say the opening of one of I think it was the Don Quixote one because she's she's from Spain. So I think he has like a little beard. Like, oh yeah, no, it's they, yeah, that's where they you know that's the eye the eye for detail that you want. Oh yeah, in Wishbone is oh he's got a beard, so it's totally everything's fine. He's a human. Doesn't matter what we do. All right, uh, next story. Um, here's something I thought was kind of interesting. I'm not usually for reboots of famous shows on, on TV, like doing it again with like a slight twist on the, the cast, but I think this actually sure. works. So they had decided that they were going to do a reboot of The Wonder Years, which I think Wonder Years is a great show. I'm like, how can they possibly re- yeah. redo that? But what they're doing is it's going to take place in the same time period, but it's going to be from a black family's point of view. Which yeah. the sixties are sure. fucking crazy for much more crazy for a black person than it is for a white person. There's so much more going so much going on that I think actually Absolutely. this actually sounds like a really great concept. I think it doesn't really need the Wonder Years name, but maybe people will watch it more because of that. But it's, it's a great yeah, concept. I think, I think there's definitely a. Uh, they're they're trying to bank on the name a bit, but no, I absolutely agree. I heard about this and I thought, oh, that is such a great idea. I do remember there actually was an episode of The Wonder Years. There's probably more than one, but one that I remember of uh, Kevin has a substitute teacher who 
uh, uh, is black. And it, like, it ends with them, like, kicking her out of the school. Oh, I don't like, remember that. It, I just it, watched it, it not that long ago, but I have a terrible Yeah, it's a, it's a real, like, it was one of those, like, we're, we're talking about racism, but on, like, network TV, so we got to, like, pussyfoot around this a bit. So it was like, a, you know, like, Kevin couldn't understand why she was, like, leaving the school. And it was, like, a real, like, unspoken thing. Like, everyone's like, you know, well, you know, right? Like, everyone understands, right, that we don't want this black person around. But it wasn't, like, just outright set. Oh, wow. Shit, if I don't remember that. they're going to be doing an, an entire show now around this, I'm, I'm all in. I think that is such a great idea. Do you think they'll still have Daniel Stern play the narrator? If there is a God. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I can't imagine anyone else. Okay, I mean, although... We could also just get if we can get Morgan Freeman. Oh yeah, sure. We are we I already have we, a black guy who's known for narrating. I, I guess yeah. I guess we could throw away my nostalgia there. No, be, <laughs> I think people will be especially because everyone's already kind of dropping out. We have of uh, playing characters of color on TV, like the guy who played Cleveland announced he's no longer going to play yeah. Cleveland on the show. I think it would be weird if a narrator narrated the adult version of Kid Blackhead. <laughs> I I but. No, it, it, it's a great concept. I'm, I'm, I'm entirely, I mean, it's probably, it's what, at least a year, a year to two years out before it'll get made. I've, it's probably just been greenlit at this point. I'm surprised so many things are, like, announcing we're going to do this show, that show. We can't film anything right now. Calm down yeah. with the green lighting. It's fucking no, weird. Not to mention how many things are, fil- I mean, we used to, how many things get filmed up in, like, Canada just for the, the sake that it's cheaper we can't even go up there now to film anything. Like, yeah, I think pretty much everyone's insane. every show for the next couple of years is going to be in New Zealand because that's the only place where people can film. Yeah, it's well. I mean, if if America is allowed to travel there, because that's the other thing is you got to remember, like all these all these crews and stuff are going to be American people True. who aren't going to be able to travel. But I have heard they made some exceptions with some film studios. I'm not sure what how they got around this, but they have made some exceptions with film studios I, to be able to film there. Yeah, I think I heard that with somewhere in somewhere in Europe was allowing. Uh, no, I mean a, in New Zealand. New Zealand's like a lot. I, I was not. I was slightly joking, but there actually are a lot of people moving to New Zealand to film shit right now. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, well, New Zealand. I mean, they made that sweet, sweet Lord of the Rings money, man. They got to keep that up. Yeah. Well, also they've handled the COVID nineteen so well that they can sure. afford to get back to normal a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And make some bank off all the people that want to film. Okay, here's something. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm wondering what your opinion is. I'm not a fan of this property, but I feel like uh-huh. so, a lot. this is something that a lot of people are a fan of, so I want to hear what your opinion is. They're going to do a reboot of Fletch, the Chevy Chase uh, films, <laughs> this time sure. with John Hamm as a lead. Now, I've seen the original Fletch mm-hmm. film, and I had heard so much about it over the years. How it was a really funny, great movie, a classic, before Chevy Chase became terrible. And I watched it, uh-huh. and it was so boring and not at all interesting. And it's like, <laughs> why is this a classic? So I'm intrigued, especially because I heard that the the films, old films Chevy Chase did, are not at all like the books, and that John Hamm actually fits the character better. But still, a lot of people hold on to that stuff very tightly. So what do you think? Have you ever seen Fletch? That's I have seen Fletch. And I, actually, I do like Fletch. Um, I... I like Fletch because it's one of the few movies that Chevy Chase did where he's allowed to just be himself. Like, they didn't have to worry about a character or anything. They're just, uh-huh. yeah, just be you. 
kind of an asshole, you know, kind of a smart ass, just whatever you want. This is a small, pretty safe film. You can do whatever you want. Um, I've never read the books or anything. I, I, uh, so I, I can't speak on, on John Hamm fitting the character better, but I do, I can say that John Hamm has some amazing comedic chops that he doesn't get to use very often. See, I'll disagree so, with you. I'll disagree with you there. I think John uh-oh. Hamm started off as the dramatic guy, but since Mad Men has gone off the air, even when it was on, every other role that he has done has been comedic. He's great at it, that's, but I'm kind of, I kind of miss, I kind of miss drama, drama Hamm. It's, I feel like it's kind of, that's a good point. And I, I don't know, it might be kind of the opposite of like the, you know, like how you have like someone like Robin Williams or Jim Carrey who like does good comedies and then like every now and then will hit you with a, with a drama. Yeah. Like, you know, they'll hit you with like a Truman show or an insomnia or something like that. And maybe John Hamm is just the opposite of that. Like I'm going to hit you with a drama every now and then, but. But, uh, uh, and that, that's what I'll be known for mostly. But then the rest of the time, I'm just doing like low, low comedies. I, I'll just be, I'll, I'll be showing up on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and, you know, you'll have to deal with that. I, I, I love him, all that stuff, but he, I miss, I think he's such a great actor and he's, he's, I think he's having too much fun. Cause he, he came up, he's friends with a whole bunch of comedians. He came up around like Sarah Silverman sure. and Brian Posehn and a bunch of people in like that crowd. Just hanging out with him, yeah. and he's like the guy that couldn't make it. And then he got Mad Men, and suddenly, sure. like, he's a big name. But it's like, I still want to hang out with my friends. Sure, absolutely. great. I agree with you, dude. Have fun with your <laughs> friends, but mix it up because I think you're so good. I'm sure he's. One, I'm if sure he he's keeps, one of the five people keeps, listening. <laughs> if he keeps hanging out with just his friends, he's going to turn into like the next Will Ferrell or Adam Sandler, where we're just doing the same cast in different, you know, different movies every now. True, but at least Adam Sandler every once in a while will go outside of his bubble, like Uncut Gems or or uh, Punch Drunk Love. Fair point. I have, I, I feel terrible. I have yet to see Uncut Gems, but I've heard it's a, I've heard it's good. It's insane. It's very uh, stressful <laughs> to watch because okay. this guy is just he makes bad choices. He knows he makes bad choices, but he always thinks like he could crawl his way out of this. So he just keeps on making things worse and worse and worse and worse. <laughs> And it's so yeah, frustrating gonna, to watch. I thought you were going to say it's stress, it was stressful because you were just waiting for it to turn into a typical Adam Sandler film. I mean, that too. Like, That's oh, scary. any second now, he's going to... Yeah, he's he's just going to start doing a funny voice and then, you know, we're going to have, like, the same characters show up. Norm MacDonald's going to show up out of nowhere. Kevin James is going to be here. It's just going to be terrible. I That just reminded me. I This is completely off topic of that, but you mentioned Kevin James. I think I'm a, I do not fit in with my people in my workplace at all. We have a TV. <laughs> we have a TV in our break room, and I, I'll be, I'll be. I've been there for like eight, nine years now, and I've not uh-huh. made one friend. And this epitomized it for me. They had Paul Blart on in the break room. Oh no! And everybody was laughing when Kevin James fell down, like laughing hard. <sighs> I'm just like, this is why I have no friends here. I can't. I can't understand this. Yeah, he's not funny. He's never been yeah. funny. I've I've done I've done something even worse than that. I mean, I, I can I can relate to that in some of my old workplaces. I've, I've definitely had that happen. Um, but I've done one one worse than that. I actually married someone who who is very much like that. Like I remember, I showed my wife when we first started dating. We would just do movie nights, and I showed her. I mean, I showed her the Blues Brothers. 
Sears and Blazing Saddles and, you know, Young Frankenstein. And I'm trying to, like, coming to America, like, I'm trying to find, like, just the classic comedies, the best comedies out there. And every single one, she was just kind of shrugging her shoulders and just, you know, meh. It's, it's okay. so frustrating. I have the same thing with my it's wife. A, yeah. And then I finally scraped the bottom of the barrel one night and put on Airheads. And she thought, she was like, this is the greatest movie I've that's ever a, seen. And I was like, really? I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Airheads. That's the Brendan Fraser like, and this Sandler is the movie? Best comedie. Oh, yeah. The, what, where, they, where they take over the radio station to. I remember, I remember being funny. I wouldn't say it's classic, but it's fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a funny movie, but it's definitely not one of those like if you're listing like the top comedies of all time, you're not going to be sitting there going, "Oh yeah, Airheads." It's what Airheads. I best I'm... know uh, Michael Richards for. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's exactly. You know the guy <laughs> from Airheads. What's really, <laughs> what's really interesting is there are racial jokes in that movie that aren't made by Michael Richards. So uh. really, that movie should be going down in history. Yeah, I. He, he ruined a good thing because I love Seinfeld. I think it's one of the best sitcoms ever made. But like sure. when he comes on screen, you're like, it's a little bit now. It's a little bit yeah. cringy. This, isn't, it, isn't it interesting how, how often that happens now where you watch something that like or even just a movie from the 90s where you're just like, oh, man, I haven't watched this in forever. I'm, I'm going to put it on. And I remember loving this movie. And then it's like, you know, racist joke, homophobic joke, you know, terrible jokes. And you're like, oh, God, what the hell? Was I liking about this? I'm rewatching a show from 2010. 2010. That's not that long ago. <laughs> Raising Hope. Sure. Uh, I loved Raising Hope when it was first on the air. It's like another, it's another show made by the guy who made uh, the Earl show. My name is Earl. My name is Earl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm watching it. The show has so much homophobic. I think they used, they used the word tranny one time. Homophobic jokes. <laughs> dementia jokes and stuff like that that I'm not cool with anymore because... Not that they, you can't make those jokes, but I don't like those jokes anymore because sure. I have family members that have de- that have dementia and stuff, so really it sure, hurts sure. me to see that. So then I'm like, this is 2010. It's 10 years ago. It's not that long ago, and I'm already like, this is kind of cringy. It's still you can watch those things, like you can still enjoy yeah. those things. But you're like, we've changed so much. So many shows. I have, agree. So many shows have the, and, the and, like the joke where like uh, a guy is dressed up as a girl for some reason, and then a straight guy is. Hating on the person he thinks is a girl, and y'all laugh at the homophobia. I'm like, this is not a funny yeah. plot. This is just really homophobic. Yeah, that's why I actually really appreciate. Like, I started watching uh, Frasier again. I started going through Frasier, and it's great. It still has some of those. It well, what's interesting about it is so many of the cast and crew were gay, including the writers. True. That there's a lot of jokes that someone might think, oh, this is this is homophobic homophobic or this is you know but it's it's really not it's more uh there's actually a, a youtube i wish i could remember it but there's a youtube channel where a guy uh brought up like actually this is showing exactly what gay culture was back in the like the late 90s early 2000s or someone who was close to the gay culture what they would have gone through in the 80s and 90s of you know you, you can kind of be out, but not really. And you had to give signals. And so, like, there's an episode where uh, a new guy that works at the radio station thinks that Frazier is gay and thinks that he's hitting on him. And you can sit there and say, oh, this is this is a little outdated. Like, the whole joke is that, you know, oh, he thinks that Frazier's gay. But really, it's showing the, the problems that a gay man had back then of, I'm not allowed to really say I'm gay. 
And, uh, you know, now I'm just having to pick up on the signals that I think this guy is giving me. No, it's real I, interesting stuff like I, that. I think, I think it's uh, it's up there again, like Seinfeld, I think it's one of the greatest shows of all time. I like Frasier Absolutely. more than I like Cheers. Uh, the, Absolutely, yeah, I'll go into that. The thing I, th- I think d- that does not age well with, with Frasier, and especially putting in contrast with Cheers. So you watch Cheers, Sam Malone... Every episode, or pretty much all of them, is like going after women. He's like a hound dog, getting women like crazy. Sure. Everyone, everyone cheers for him. Like he gets so many ladies. Frasier has yeah. characters like character like that too. It's Roz, but Roz is not praised for that. She's treated like yeah, she's a she's, slut. She's like the yeah, she's like the office flag. Yeah, and like that that's ridiculous. She's just it's just that she's she's a woman that's just as good at getting laid as Sam was. So that that's yeah. some, that's something that rubs me slightly the wrong way. But you know, it's it's God, attitude such, of the nineties. I don't, I don't know if you want to get into it yet because these are such great segues into the Last of Us Part Two. Oh, All of these subjects are I, such oh, great. We uh, may have to put a pin in these. Uh, we'll get we'll get into that stuff. Yeah, we're, we're getting very off topic. Yeah. We're already half hour in. There's no time limit on sure, this sure. thing, but I don't want to use up your entire night. Oh no no not at all not at all. I'll stay as long as needed. All right, uh, let's see any other news story that's interesting or should I just turn? I'll do one more story. This one's more just because I'm interested in it. Um, have you ever heard of the story called The Shining Girls? No. I've, I mean, I've heard of The Shining. I'm assuming there's not, not a, not a, 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 a No relation. All right, so Got I found it. this book recently on Audible when I was looking to buy The Shining, and I read the plot. I thought it was really <laughs> fucking cool. It's basically about a time traveler who's a, a serial killer, and he's obsessed with these people in this, that end up living in this one house. And so what he does is okay. he visits these girls. Oh, no, 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 wrong, wrong thing. Not anything to do with the house. He lives in a weird house. He visits okay. these girls when they're younger and gives them something and tells, tells them to hold on to it. And he likes to go pick it up for them when he kills them 20 years later. And it's about... So how he's, like, he creating his own... He's creating his own, like, murder mementos? He's, yeah, he creates like he's his own... a trophy own killer that has well, no trophies. He, like, like t- he takes something from somebody else that he killed, gives it to the next person, and then they... <laughs> It keeps on passing it on and crazy shit like that. And it's a really good, it's a really cool book. Very unique idea of time travel and stuff like that. All I can do with this weird house. Uh, They have, they have announced that they're going to make this into a mini series on, unfortunately, Apple TV. Uh, There's too many streaming services. I have drawn a line in the sand. I am not going to buy Apple TV. This is not going to happen. But has Elizabeth Moss is going to play like the lead, like lady that, is the main victim or attempted victim. Uh, and it's like, she's good in everything. We already talked about Mad Men earlier. Uh, it's just like, yeah. it's a great concept. I love the book, but it's an Apple TV. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, and, and it, I'm just going to chop this up to another one that I've like another show that I've heard of that I'm like, Ooh, this sounds really good. And then they say it's on Apple TV. And I go, well, then I'm never going to see it. Cause like the, the, Steve, there's a Steve Carell one morning show where he's uh, yeah morning show morning show uh, like I remember seeing the ads for that and going oh this looks really good and as soon as the Apple TV logo popped up I went nope I'll never see it I'm hoping they'll do what CBS All Access eventually did because I'm a huge Star Trek geek and I didn't uh-huh. that's another I don't I don't need CBS All Access because the only thing I'd watch on there is the Star Trek shows because I don't sure. watch CBS sure. CBS is a terrible channel. Uh, yeah. but they finally put, I, I still get Netflix DVDs. I'm old school like that. And they finally oh, no, put, no, we get, we, we absolutely get the Netflix DVDs as okay. well. My, my wife and I, we live right next door to her parents. So her parents get the 
Netflix DVDs. We have the Netflix streaming, and then we just kind of share everything through. I, I hope no one from Netflix is listening to this. They're totally scamming them. On <laughs> They're this, one of the but, five people. Yeah. Uh, but so yeah. I finally <laughs> they put the they put the CBS All Access Star Trek show on there, so I can finally watch that. But so I'm hoping Apple right. TV eventually does that. But right. so far they have not. Yeah, it's. And now, because NBC's got their Peacock thing starting, which, uh, granted, they're smart in that they're offering a free version of it, similar yeah. to, like, what Hulu has. Um, well, so Hulu got rid yeah, of their free I, version. What was that? Hulu got rid of their free version. They no longer have no, a free I, version. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying, is that Hulu had... Oh, I heard Hulu has. Has the free version. Sorry, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah, no. So they're doing a similar thing to what Hulu had, and uh, I think that's smart. I think, yeah, it's getting to be too many streaming services, and it's just becoming the new version of cable. Eventually, they're just going to make, uh, you know, replace cable companies with streaming companies that are going to bundle all of the streaming services together. I think Peacock is leading the way in what's going to be the future of those things because we'll still have like there'll be like the HBOs and stuff like that. That Netflix will be still around, yeah. but like any new service yeah. comes out, they're going to have to offer a free version because people are done; they're not buying anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, half of them, we don't even, I mean, we don't even keep them until like the, the shows that we watch. It's like my wife, uh, my wife got me into the, the, um, oh gosh, what's it called? The one on stars. The, and I think you watch it too, the, with the time travel. Oh, Outlander. Outlander. Thank you. Uh, I don't know why I blinked on that all of a sudden. Great show. Yeah, no, we watch Outlander, but it's, uh, uh, you know, we don't keep stars year round. Um, we just wait for the new season of Outlander to show up. I just wait for and the then DVDs. We get stars and, yeah, it's and, and we're we're I mean we're honestly about five you know or uh, five seconds away from doing that as well. We may just just as well wait for the DVD to come out. It's uh, a, the only it. problem with that if it's a popular show, you will get stuff spoiled. I always like it when I like a show that oh, nobody sure. else watches that just barely gets by because then it doesn't get because I I'd always wait for a. Uh, I was a big fan of The Americans. I thought that was one of the best shows in the past 10 years. Sure, sure. And we would always wait for it to come on streaming. And the great thing about that show is that nobody fucking watched it. Because that's a show that's full of spoilers, but yeah. no one's watching it. It's perfect. If you can wait. Oh, to be fair, I think you were the first person I've talked to who watches Outlander. You're definitely the first man I've talked to who's watched Outlander. It's, so. uh, it's a fucking good show. <laughs> I don't care if it's, a, it's, it it's supposed to be a chick show. It's a good show. That's all I care about. No, no, absolutely. And it's, uh, I mean, if you want to do an Outlander episode of this podcast, you let me know, because we're well, completely caught up on it. That'd be great, except for I'd have to wait for the DVDs, by then nobody fucking cares about it. Uh, but, right, like, right. it goes with my geek thing. Uh, I'm going to give you some trivia that nobody's going to care about, but I'm going to do it anyway, because it's my fucking show. Sure. So Outlander is created by, uh, the book series was created by somebody who's a fan of classic Doctor Who. The name of the main character guy is, a, is an amalgamation of there's this Highlander character that, got, that becomes a companion of the Doctors. He's from uh, the same era. And they took the actor's name, which is Fraser Hines, and the character's name, which is Jamie, and they just combined it together uh, to make his uh, Jamie McCrimmon. So they just combined the, his, his fictional name and his yeah, yeah. real name into the main character of the show. That was actually one of the things that my wife brought up to me to get me to watch Outlander in the first place because I'm a big Doctor Who fan. And she said, oh, yeah, the, the woman who wrote it is a big Doctor Who fan. And she named the main character after the actor from Doctor Who. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll check it out. And I do like the show. There's definitely, I, I, mean, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um, uh, 
But yeah, I mean, anything with with time travel is gonna is yeah, gonna get me going. Same here. Plus, it's made by the TV show is developed by Ronald D. Moore, who did classic Star Trek. And I think he also did the yeah. Battlestar Galactica reboot. So like, he's got yeah. he's got a good track record. So if you haven't watched it, just because it looks like a chick show, people check it out. Give it a try. There's yeah, no such there's, th- it's it's definitely there's a there's a few you know things that you kind of have to I don't I don't want to you have to have a, a a high willing suspension of disbelief on a few things. Yeah. But overall, they do a pretty good job on that show. I, I don't think there is such thing as, in current TV, chick show or guy shows. Because I think back in the day, and I talked about this with my wife a little bit, and this is just a theory I have about things nowadays. Back in the day, they used to dumb things down for women because for some reason they didn't think that they could get these high-concept shit for some reason. Just, so, so they get, like, chick Yeah, just chick shows. explaining all over the place. Yeah. I think they were, they were doing that kind of shit. And nowadays, they realize women yeah. can watch high-concept stuff just as well. It can have romance in there, and guys can get into it because it's great plots. Girls can get into it yeah. with the, have their romance and also have the great plots with it. We don't need to make guy or girl shows; just make great shows. That's why shows that yeah, used to be absolutely. like like the the marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a great show for guys and girls. Even if you look at the trailer and go like it looks like a chick show, you don't need that anymore. They make too much good TV. I, if it's just a chick I show, agree. it's probably just a bad show. I agree. And actually, one of the things I like about shows like Outlander or uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel, or Mrs. Maisel, I should say, is uh, is that they have things in there. And, and, you know, it used to be a thing to say is, oh, there's something in there for, for guys and for girls. But what's nice is these shows are getting to the point where they're making just good shows, but they've got stuff in there that mostly the female audience will get but they've also got stuff that mostly the male audience will get. And when it, when you're, you know, someone like me, who's watching this with his wife, you can sit there and kind of compare notes and say, Oh, did you understand this part? This is really interesting. You know, for instance, like with Mrs. Maisel, I'm huge into stand up comedy. My, my wife isn't really into that, but she's very much into like, you know, uh, uh, women's studies and stuff, especially from the area that Mrs. Maisel is in. So she's sitting there talking about the women's liberation movement, and I'm sitting here talking about, oh, do you even know who Lenny Bruce is? Like, let's talk about that. I've had to do that with my wife, too. And, yeah, it's amazing. It's it's great to have these these conversations. And same with Outlander, to be able to talk about, you know, the historical battles that have taken place, while also talking about, hey, let's talk about the fact that this woman just time-traveled, you know, hundreds of years in the past, and she doesn't have sanitary products. Like, I mean, there's things that, that, you know men aren't just just aren't going to think of that if you're watching this with a female can, can actually sit you down and learn you a thing or two it's great it's absolutely wonderful all right we we got very off topic that's all right oh, oh crap lots of my that's, articles there we go it's I, it's a gift I, it's all i do <laughs> I, I remember we used to okay off topic again but we used to hang out with you yeah. most of the time after uh meetings with my comedy team we'd hang out in a restaurant called corky's and we'd stay there for like oh, yeah. eight hours and it would be you and DJ having a conversation and us just listening. You're very, it's not a bad thing. You're very good at talking, which is great for podcasts. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll go off on, on, on almost a Dennis Miller-esque rant uh, every now and then. But yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Uh, I was actually just telling my wife the other day how we had, uh, D, uh, DJ and I had a friend who was moving to England. And uh, again, it was one of those people that she's now making uh, independent films and stuff in England. It's one of oh, those wow. that are like, oh yeah, I, I knew this person. Uh, and now they're winning awards and shit. Uh, um, and right before she left for England, her, her biggest thing that she wanted to do is she just 
invited some friends to Corky's and like turned to DJ and I and said, yeah, just talk. We're just going to watch you. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's the entertainment that, that people like DJ and I provide. If you had DJ on this podcast right now, I guarantee we wouldn't have gotten off of the first subject that we talked about. We would have well, still just gone off topic. Yeah, but with you talking. combined, I could shut DJ down uh, with you with you not here, but I feel like if, if you and him combined, because he's been on my with podcast our, yeah, plenty of times. Yeah, with powers combined, it's terrible. Yeah, Captain Gabber. Uh, so that'd be pretty bad. <laughs> All right, so I don't even remember what guys on that subject, but I think we're done with the news. So I wanted to try okay. a, a new subject, uh, a new segment on the show called Why Is This a Classic? So my goal in life, I, I love movies, and I want to see every movie that's iconic that you see, like, reference in, in TV shows on movies all the time. You go, like, so when you watch it again, you know, later on, you go, like, oh, I get this now. So, right. uh, so I go to a lot of classic ones. I don't mind if it's black and white. I'll even watch a silent film. I don't fucking care. But I find a lot of times that these movies are not the classics that they're proposed to be. And so I, I want to bring in one, uh, and hopefully I got a couple lined up uh, for this. But I'll keep on seeing, finding more in the future, I'm sure. But I want to talk about the movie Rebel Without a Cause. This is a James right. Dean movie. I think he made like three movies before he died. And it's about this yeah, young about right. guy who's having a bunch of problems and then, you know, tragedy ensues. Whatever. Fuck it. I don't care. I'm not going to go that far into the plot. I want to talk about what's wrong with this fucking piece of shit. Okay, so the first thing. Uh, the, the movie opens up and you meet this character. Not James Dean. This is another guy. This is a guy that you are supposed to like and care what happens to, especially because, spoiler, he fucking dies at the end of the movie, but I didn't care. In the beginning of the movie, his first scene, he's in, he's in a police station, he's talking to a cop, and the cop asks him, why'd you kill the dogs? Why'd you kill all those dogs? And he goes, oh, yeah. I don't know, or something like that. I'm like, seriously? We're supposed to, as the movie went on, it's like, wait, that's not a guy we're supposed to hate because they kept them putting him up as sympathetic. I was like, but when we first met him, he just killed a bunch of dogs. We're supposed he to pay this person. He killed like a litter of puppies. Yeah, puppies. I, it was puppies. It's been, it's been years since I watched this movie, but yeah, I, I absolutely remember that uh, that moment of like, oh my god. How is it? Like, I don't care what time period you're in. This that's pretty damn dark. No, it was, it was never good to go kill puppies. Everybody no. loves puppies. We'll get more into killing dogs later <laughs> in the show. Believe me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So another the, another thing. So as the movie goes on, James Dean's acting up, and you're he's troubled. He's at the police station beginning too, and you want to find out what messed him up so much. Why is he so screwed up and dramatic and having all these problems? It turns out, yeah, this is something that definitely did not age well. That see. His, his mom is very overbearing. His mom sure. actually is in charge of the house over the dad, right? Yeah. Like, so, like, he, his dad won't slap his mom around a little bit. So his mom has too much control. And he's very upset about this. It is ruining his life. This poor child has to live in a home where his mom isn't beaten. By the <laughs> way, this is also, like, isn't he, like, middle class, like, oh, yeah. complete, like, Complete average, like home home life. Like he's a he's absolutely a, nothing wrong. He's a good looking white boy that uh, yeah. lives in middle class. Uh, doesn't have money problems. Uh, yeah. He doesn't need a job or anything like that. His family's very well to do. They care a lot about him. They will fucking move houses for him if he gets in trouble because they want him to have a fresh start over and over again. He's moved several times. 
because his sure. parents care so much about him. But his dad won't slap his mom around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, can you blame him? I mean, that, if, if I found out that my dad wasn't slapping my mom around, I'd be pissed too. There's a scene. You'd find, you'd find me killing puppies. There's a scene in the movie where uh, James Dean hears a, hears a crashing noise and comes outside and his dad had accidentally spilled something and he has an apron on. Horrifying, right? Oh my God, dad has an apron and he's cleaning it up. And James Dean's like, dad, leave it for mom. And dad's like, no, no, I'll take care of it. It's like, leave it for mom, leave it for mom. And he starts crying and freaking <laughs> out because he won't let leave it for mom to clean up the house. Yeah. This is fucking oh insane. And like, it's, then there's like a night. It's great because it's, it's also like, it's a complete opposite effect of what you would expect from like, like you expect someone who, who has like an overbearing father to like have a lot of aggression and stuff in him. But no, it's the exact opposite. Like his, his dad is like, you know, you know, totally timid and, and, and for lack of a better term, like pussy whipped. And he's just like, I'm going to make up for this with the biggest amount of testosterone I can imagine. Yeah, and we're testosterone too. Like, I don't understand. The, there's like In the beginning of this movie, he gets in a fight with some random dude who's insistent that he knife fights him. But it's cool. It's cool. Knife fights are all right. As long as you don't, as long as you don't cut too far. Everyone knows the rules. You're not allowed to cut too deep. And sure, absolutely. after this, they become like, they go drag racing. And while, right before they drag race, they realize they're good friends. But the guy who threatened him with a knife. And then during the drag race, just because he had to do it, he came out there to do the drag racing. His friend, his new friend who had knifed him earlier, accidentally gets caught trying to escape his car and rolls off a cliff. And he's mildly upset about that, but he's more upset that his dad won't hit his mom. It's, it's a terrible piece of crap, and it is considered a great movie, and James Dean is considered a great actor, which he is not. I don't know why people think about him so much all these years later when he only made three movies, and at least his biggest one was a piece of shit. So yeah, that's my, why this is a classic. I definitely, I definitely think that he's, uh, a lot of that is the whole idolization of someone who died young and, oh, you most know, definitely died tragically. Um, you know, it's, it's, I remember having those same thoughts when, uh, when Heath Ledger, uh, died and, you know, Dark Knight was about to come out. And I remember thinking like, you know, oh my God, like it doesn't matter what kind of performance they put out as the Joker. It's going to be the greatest performance ever because everyone is going to just fall over themselves praising this guy because he just died so tragically. Now, as it, was it turned great. out, it was a tremendous performance. But the thing is, everyone acted like he was a great actor all along. That was his first bit right. of performance, in my opinion. I've seen Brokeback Mountain. Right. I'm not going to go into why I think that Oscar should, should be in and why this is a classic. <laughs> it has nothing to do with me being against gays. It just has to be... Right. Which I, uh, I'm not, I swear. But it has to do with the fact that it's just a terrible movie. But I've seen so many of his movies, and most of his movies are shit, except for Batman. And then he died. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm glad it's, he's dead, because that, that it no, sucks. Because he probably would have had a great career after that. But like sure. he was not one of the great actors of all time. He had one great performance. Yeah, and so I definitely think that the whole uh, idolization of James Dean comes part, at least partly from the fact that he died young and tragic, uh, tragically. Probably um, a lot of people from that time actually identified with Rebel Without a Cause. It was a very different time back then. They're probably oh, like, yeah, yeah my oh, dad wouldn't beat my mom too. I was so upset. If you go to the Griffith Observatory, they have a, uh, a bust of James Dean up because that's where they filmed the, I think it was the knife fight scene that was filmed at the Griffith Observatory. A, a good set amount of that movie is filmed over there. 
Yeah. So, I mean, they still are, are very much idolizing James Dean for that. But, and it, and I mean, there's definitely, especially in older movies, there's, there's, there's cringy stuff, but there's, like you said, there's also like terrible things like, you know, I'm upset that my dad isn't beating my mom. Well, yeah. Is, is, but there's, is, Terrible. No but matter what also time like, period you're in. Yeah, but there's like sure lots of things will be dated, but usually the movies themselves are still mostly good. Like I'm a big fan oh, of totally. like uh Mr. Smith, uh not Mr. Smith, that's a good one too. Uh yeah. shit. Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, which Adam Sandler yeah, butchered yeah. later on. But that is a movie that actually speaks to a lot of things today. Because in that one, yeah. it's about a guy who gets wealthy, and unlike Adam Sandler, it's all about like he wants to he gets declared insane. Because he wants to give most of his money to the poor. And it's about about how how people are treated for trying to be kind. And I think that's a great yeah. idea for a movie. Uh, and that's oh, very I, old. So there, there can I be mean, great old my, movies with great things to stick today. Rebel Without Cause is not one of them. Oh, absolutely. And and it's funny you should bring up Mr. D's Ghost of Town. Because one of my favorite movies is is another Frank Capra movie. It's, uh, uh, it's Wonderful Life. It's I in my top ten. here at Christmas. It's a great movie, but it has, even I have to laugh at the fact that in that movie, which is undeniably great, it's a a classic, they're sitting there to, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen, (laughs) who hasn't had the TV on on Christmas Eve, Um, but they, you know, uh, the angel has taken uh, Jimmy Stewart and shown him like, hey, listen, if you weren't born, like, you're, you're, uh, your mother is this cold, heartless woman. Your uncle's in an insane asylum. Your, you know, your brother died when he was a little kid, and because he died when he was a little kid, he wasn't around to save the boatload of soldiers. We're literally standing on his grave right now. Isn't this all terrible? And then Jimmy Stewart says, "Well, where's my wife? Where's Mary?" And that's where, if you listen closely, you hear the angel say, "I'm not supposed to tell you that." And he says, where is she? And he goes, she never married. She's about to close up the library. I never thought about it. Like, I've watched the movie so many times. I never really thought about how ridiculous that is. I'm going to show you all this horrible stuff. But the one thing that I'm not allowed to tell you is your wife. Yeah, she's not fucking some other guy. Isn't that horrible? She ended up by, really? I wish there's a lie so she could feel dick. Yeah, the height that a woman could attain back then was... Marriage. That's it. That's literally all she could do. And that—that that is ridiculous. But you give that a little bit of excuse for the time. Absolutely. A little bit you more than not beating time. somebody it's, it's, or, or you killing just puppies. Laugh it off now because it's such a great movie. But yeah, it's just one of those things where you go, "What the hell were we thinking back then?" It's something like Rebel Without a Cause. You go, "What the hell were the writers thinking in the first place?" Yeah. Yeah, he's really pissed off. His dad's not beating his mom. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life is one of those movies that my wife had not seen before we got together. So I was all excited. Oh. I, I bought it on DVD to go show it to her like our first Christmas together. And she hates it with a passion. Are you kidding? It, okay. See, so, that's grounds for divorce right there, Carl. I can't believe you're still with her. Uh, it would have been grounds just to break up. I'm surprised I'm still with her. But she, she has, yeah. you know, she makes up for with a mostly good personality. You know, she just has these slight sure. flaws like hating It's a Wonderful Life. Well, not you slight, don't, yeah, big flaws. You don't want her... You, don't want her to end up like Donna Reed and not being married to some guy. You yeah, know? I mean, really, I, I'm saving her. I saved her. <laughs> I really, I should get a statue because I am a hero for saving that, that woman who should not have gotten married because of that opinion. No, that's, that's, uh, 
that's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking year. All right, uh, let's move on to the last segment. Uh, so I brought you on the show, not just for your great personality, and because I haven't talked to oh, you in eight years, but uh, <laughs> I follow you on I, I on PlayStation, and I saw that you were yeah. playing The Last of Us Part Two, and I needed oh, yeah. somebody to talk about this game with because I had just played it recently as well, and it blew my mind. So before yeah. we go any further, if you have not played The Last of Us Part Two or don't or don't or don't bleh, words are hard. If you have not played The Last of Us Part Two, and you hate spoilers, stop listening to the show. If yeah, you don't I would mind, also add that we're probably going to talk about spoilers from Last of Us Part One as well. So true. if you've not played any of them, you Could, probably yeah. It all ties in very well, and it's impossible to talk about why this game is one of the most controversial games ever released without explaining yeah. big spoilers, because those are things that got people pissed off. Yep. All right, so let's go into this thing. Uh, I never reviewed a game before, so it's a little bit hard, but basically, sure. the game is about what they, at least what they tell you, what you learn without giving too much weight into later on yet. Joel, the main character that you played in the last game, decided at the end of the game to save Ellie, who had a cure for the virus that's ravaging the country and turning people into mushroom zombies. Yep. Basically, they had to kill her to make the cure. He decided to kill everyone that wanted to make the cure to save her. And then in the next game, somebody kills Joel, connected with that, basically. Yeah. Bullet and, points. And, and it's, a, it's a big point that the the girl doesn't know that he killed everyone to stop them from killing her. He yes. told her at the end of the first game, he lies to her and says, there's no cure. There's a bunch of people like you that they've stopped doing tests. There's nothing we can do. And she accepts this at the very end. She says to him, just, you know, is this really what happened? You know, just tell me the truth. And he says, yeah. And she says, that's okay. And that's literally the end of the, first one so, um, so yeah. the second one picks up with him confessing that to his brother yes and which is great what something i loved about this game before we get too much into it is that if you haven't played the first game the first 10 minutes of this game gives you all the information i think you need i still say you should yeah, play absolutely. the first game but i love the fact especially because i have a terrible memory they gave you everything that was yeah. essential to this plot in the first 10 minutes they absolutely did they really do recap it very not uh, uh, very concisely, very nicely. Uh, yeah, within the first 10 minutes. That's is exactly what they do. Okay, so let's get to the first big controversial moment. For yeah. one thing, you jump back and forth in this game playing in the beginning, the first like a couple hours, between playing Ellie and his woman Abby you don't really know. You play this woman Abby as she meets up with Joel and then takes him to her house and then she fucking kills him in front of Ellie. A lot of people, that's the point in the game where they are pissed off and they fucking hate this game. That's just one of them. There's other points later on. We'll get into those. Oh, there's, there's plenty. Yeah, there's plenty of things that people hate about this game. What do you think but about that? Is definitely. What do you think about them killing off Joel and that scene in general? Okay, so I was one of the lucky people who didn't have that spoiled for him because apparently before the game was yeah released, it was leaked. Uh, people there yeah it, there was people leaking that. Uh, I avoided it too, to but I knew he was going to die just because they weren't advertising him that much in the game. Absolutely, and I. I kind of went into it expecting him to die. I was not expecting it so soon. Um, but I, I think because I went into it expecting him to die, I kind of already made my peace with that. 
I can't imagine people not expecting Joel to get some sort of comeuppance for his actions in the in the first game, especially from the ending of the first game. I've read so many people that gave alternative ideas of what they should have done instead of killing him. People had ideas. Sure. They were stupid ideas. Because I, I, <laughs> I, I, I live in the comment sections. I love watching. I never get involved because I think that's stupid. You waste way too much time arguing right. with people. Right. But reading threads of people that are pissed off about stupid things, and they had so many just terrible ideas. And, that, and yeah, so they had ideas that they thought they'd do instead. But the whole concept of this game is retribution for his actions. Absolutely. And it's also, I think the second game does, one of the big themes in it is that there are consequences to your actions. It's, um, it's that, and also another big thing, which goes into a twist we'll talk about later on, looking at things from a perspective other than your own. Absolutely. And it's, it, I think that, uh, and that, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about this game is that it seriously, Naughty Dog turns a mirror onto the player and says, look at what you've done, look at what you're about to do, or what you've been hoping will happen in this game. How does that make you feel now that we've shown you other things? So Without, without getting into it, it, too much of the... Look into something in the future. Off. So yeah. for me, when I, watched that, when I watched that scene where they killed off Joel, for one thing, I was mad because they had made me play as Abby to lead Joel there. So I was like, wait, yeah. if I would just let that bitch get eaten up by those by the infected joel will be fine so i was so yeah. mad that they made me kill in a way kill joel I, sure you were at your playing as alley for a little bit before you go back to there but still you you right were the person responsible also i'd played it at a bad time because my wife was cleaning up at the time don't worry we share chores <laughs> we do chores i just she happened to be cleaning up at the time no 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 i get no i get it she's you know you're playing video games and she knows her place and she's cleaning the house yeah. i get it i slapped her around yeah. a little bit like a good husband does of course, of course. And anyway, she's in the background, and she's, like, crumpling up bags very loudly. And I'm sitting on the couch traumatized because one of my heroes is getting brutally beaten with a <laughs> golf club. And all I hear is, <laughs> and there's no stopping it. And it's just, like, so I'm traumatized and slightly annoyed, but it's like, I can't get annoyed with her for cleaning. And it's just so horrible. But it, it, it is probably one of the most dramatic and gut-punching death scene I have ever seen in yeah. any media. Because Absolutely. I feel like I feel like video games, because you're involved, you feel what they're feeling at least partially. You feel invested in their story. You helped make their story. That one, that yeah. when this happened, it hits you much more than if you're watching a movie. Because this is also Absolutely. well acted. Well, there's a lot more of the of the self identification. Yes. With with this character because you played as him. So yeah, it, and I, it, without getting without getting too deep, it, it's very much like you're almost mourning like a part of you is yes. dying because this is, you've spent hours with this guy. Probably, you know, if you're like me, days and days with this guy playing him in the first game and now he's just brutally murdered in front of you and there's nothing you can do about so it. So I couldn't, I'm very, I hated Abby I, so much. I was like, I can't wait to find this bitch and slice her up. Absolutely. And that's, but isn't that such an interesting idea is that, that's that's entirely I, I fully believe that that was Naughty Dog's intention. Oh yeah. Was for you to go, I can't wait to get revenge on Abby. So and you're even... feeling exactly as Ellie feels. And then later on in the game, without without you know getting ahead of ourselves, maybe you don't feel that way anymore. And here's the thing. Ellie may still feel that way, but maybe you don't. I 
even I before the it's real later on, I think I kind of knew why Abby did it, but I didn't fucking care at that point. Right. Uh, so you go into this revenge thing, and here's here's what I loved about the story. It get you go to Seattle, and they split it off. They uh, it goes like Seattle day one, day two, day three, right. and uh, you start off with Ellie's girlfriend. Which okay, here's one thing I, I we gotta get into. Ellie's gay, and I feel yes, like a is. lot of people, not me, would have a fucking problem with that. Because I know people are upset about that. People are upset about the fact well, that they're, they're pushing this woke storyline on them that they now have to play as a gay yeah. woman. Now, I will say that if anyone was shocked at, uh, at Ellie being gay, they clearly didn't play the DLC from the first game. Because oh, in right. that it one, it there. does have her. I forgot yeah, about she that. does have yeah. her first kiss with, uh, with Riley, who's a, a, a girl that has just joined the Fireflies, is with Ellie when she gets bit uh, and finds out that she's immune to the, to the virus. Now, now I, sorry. I, I, don't, I was just going to say that I don't mind her being, it was just kind of a, okay. No, I thought, so getting, you know, I really liked the character of Dinah. I thought she was a, a great character to bring along. She's yeah, she's absolutely great. Uh, what, what I, I, like, uh, I agree. In fact, I had my wife playing, uh, I, I told you before we started this, that uh, I, I love this so much. I had my wife who doesn't play video games that much. I had her sit down and play the, the both of the games. And even she, during Seattle Day One, you spend a lot of time of just Ellie and, and Dina just walking around, uh, exploring stuff. And they have a lot of like banter back and forth, a lot of conversations. And even my wife just turned to me and just goes, oh my God, they're, they're precious. They're adorable together. You yeah. know, they, they didn't just make her gay. They, they gave you a relationship yes. to, to watch. And I, I thought that was great. And I thought that the relationship's as they go on each day is, is really good. The first day is kind of like a bond. You don't spend much time away from, from Dina. It's just you and right. El, it's Ellie and Dina the entire, almost the entire time. And I thought, okay, this is going to be the Joel and Ellie of the game is what I thought. But then as, as time goes on, and here's something I love. They make you do more and more fucked up shit as Ellie. They make her more and more almost yeah. not. I would never say I disliked her, but I disliked what she was doing. So she she yeah. she uh, she treats she gets very mad at Dina when she finds out that she's pregnant from her ex. Uh, she yep. ditches everybody and just goes off her own. They make you. I think this was purposeful. They make you kill dogs that are hunting you, and I think they did that because they know people react more to, to animal deaths than they do to human deaths. And I definitely did not want to kill the dogs. Okay, so so fun fact on that. Uh, yes, the first time, now I've played through this game three times now, okay. and the first time I played through, I absolutely uh you know i killed the dogs i free every single time they picked up my scent i was freaking out and i would you know take them out because i had a hard time getting past the dogs i have because i'm again i'm a major dog lover i have four dogs of my own I, german shepherd my is my favorite breed Boston. german shepherds <laughs> yeah. are my favorite breed and you kill so many german shepherds exactly i have found i have literally spent hours finding ways to just sneak through the areas where the dogs are so that i've literally my last playthrough i didn't kill a sick well you have to kill one there's one dog you have to kill there is one dog you have to kill other than that i have not killed any dogs um which i'm very it's one of my biggest achievements my wife was laughing at me as we were playing it because i have no problems at all killing humans but yeah if it's killing a dog i have a major issue with it it was just oh it was heart-wrenching so, okay, no, I just want to get, this is a different part of the review. I want to know, we're going to get back in the story later, but I don't yeah. play a lot of horror games. 
I played like sure. Doom from like the old, old Knee Deep in the Dead '90s Doom. Yeah, yeah. I played the first Last of Us, and I played Until Dawn, and then this. That's the only horror I played. So for me, this game is super fucking tense, and I could only play it for like an hour or so before I had to stop because I was too wound up. How is this for you? I think you're more experienced at video games than I am. I I, I would I would definitely say so. I I played like I mean I go back to like early '90s of playing like uh, I played Doom as well when it was out. I also played uh, uh, Silent Hill and and Resident Evil, uh, which are you know definitely the the mainstays of the of horror uh video games i i don't view this one as as scary as much i view i definitely view it as it can be tense i agree i, I when, like, the, when the fucking I like stalkers the, show up stalkers stress me the fuck out oh i fucking no that i will say that the stalkers are the only part of this that i can't stand because you can't see them in listen mode yeah and i i i absolutely hate the stalkers again i have found ways to like okay i'm just gonna run through here and avoid them i do like that naughty dog has done that too where there's no just one path through a lot of these areas of the game you can you know be completely aggressive and shoot your way out of it you can try to run through you can try to sneak through which is generally what i do i tend to do more of like a stealth uh, i do stealth, stealth version of the game but sometimes it got to the point okay i fucked up run yeah, absolutely. Um, which again is is very and that and that's very much where the tenseness would come in for me is when you're crouched behind like a crate and a guy's coming up and you've got to get around that corner really quick to grab him. Yeah, it, it, I've definitely had some moments where I'm like, I feel my heart pounding. I never had, I like, like the parts where I'm fighting people. I'm perfectly calm, but for some sure. reason, the infected. I think I'm just identifying too much of what's going on because like. You have the difference between like I'm good with horror films. Horror films don't make me jump at all. But the difference between a horror yeah. film and a game is like the horror is going to go on no matter what I do in, in a movie. They're gonna they're gonna right. go into that room. But this is like you gotta go through that door and you gotta make yourself go through that door. And I think that's that's yeah, so much a, more engrossing and stressful. There's no separation. Yeah, there's anymore. a separation with with a horror movie. There's no separation in this game because it's happening to you. I mean. It's happening to an avatar of an a extension of you, but it's happening yeah. to you. It's someone that you're controlling. It's um, yeah, it's definitely got some heart pounding, some heart pounding moments. My wife is very much more so the 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 scaredy cat of uh -huh. the two of us. Uh, she would there's actually we kind of made a deal that she would do all the exploring bits uh -huh. of the game, and then the second uh, a human or a clicker or anything showed up. She just hands me the remote and just goes, I'll just, I'll just watch it. Cause I can't, you know, I can't do this at all. But what I really like about that also in this game versus the, uh, the first game is Naughty Dog did an amazing job with accessibility on this game. Uh, in the first game, you know, even the achievements, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, the achievements or the trophies, I should say, yeah. it's, it's, it's a PlayStation game. Uh, in the first game, you know, you, get a trophy for going through on the hardest difficulty, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. In this game, they, in the second one, they don't have that at all. They just want you to experience the story. They even have uh, uh, settings that you can put onto this game if you're hard of hearing or if you have uh, disabilities of some, uh, physical disabilities. They have alternate uh, controls that you can do. It's, it's really that interesting how they, they made this game so accessible to people just so that they can have this story. 
That's, you know, that's there's, what no, there's no trophies or anything. For, I was going to say, there's no trophies or anything for difficulties. It's just, just go through the story. Just experience it. I think, I think Night Dog is just great at that. It's story in general. And I think they realize people want that. Cause I, like, I love the yeah. Uncharted series. I love last, The Last of yeah. Us. And, you know, they've kind of come a long way since Crash Bandicoot. Absolutely. Uh, so, okay, as it goes on, the game gets, you get, and you get further into, into Ellie's storyline. You come to a breaking point where, okay, you find out Ellie's girlfriend's pregnant from her, from, from her ex, and you find right. out that you, act, while you're trying to find Abby, the person who killed Joel, you accidentally kill a pregnant woman. And that makes her decide yes. to quit. You also kill their dog, too. So that makes her decide to quit yeah. and leave. And right when she decided to give up on this whole quest, Abby shows up, kills one of, of Ellie's friends, and, like, you kill all my friends, why should I let you go? And then you jump back three days... And you wake up as Abby. And that yeah. was fucking insane. Because I thought I was almost done with the game. Yeah. Because, like, the story's wrapping up. It, the, you, it's like, you've been hunting down people. You've been killing, killing everyone that was involved in the killing of Joel. There's not much more that you can fucking do here. And right. then they start the whole thing over. It's in Seattle, day one, and you wake up as Abby. So what was that like for you? Okay, so really quick. What you said was great. The fact that you thought this game was almost done. There was about there was probably three or four moments in this game that I thought, all right, this is done, right? Like I'll get to that later. There's another one up. later. There's another one later. I'll get to that one. Yeah, there's it's it. What's interesting is they ended this like five times, which is very much like like a it was very much like Return of the King, I was just but it was done that. well. Yeah. Where you weren't like rolling your eyes about it. You were you were thoroughly invested in going, oh shit, there's more. Um, yeah, so you, you yeah, before I, you go back to CLD Day 1, you have a flashback of the night that Joel killed everybody, but you are the yeah. character Abby Younger, and she's going to the room, and you find out that Abby's dad was one of the doctors that Joel killed at the end of the first game. And then you wake yeah, up as Yeah, he was Abby. the doctor that was going to design the cure. Yes. And now that he's dead, they can't, there is no cure. Mankind's Even if they fucked. were to find someone else who was immune. There's no, there's no way that they could uh, make a vaccine. So uh, the group, the Fireflies, which have been this militant group that you've seen throughout this whole first game, have disbanded, uh, and some of them have joined this this militant group in in Seattle, which is where Abby is. And they're called the Wolves. And uh, yeah, when I when I first woke up as Abby, when it said Seattle Day One, and you see Abby, I was. I wasn't upset. I didn't have that. I wasn't upset as playing as Abby because I wanted, I was so intrigued by the story. I just wanted to see where this was going. I know a lot of people didn't like it. My wife included. My wife, I mean, she almost put the game down after Joel died. Uh -huh. um, and then she she was very much like me where she just said, all right, I just want to know how the story ends. I want to know how it ends. And it was a struggle not to get her to like Google it. I mean, it was she really didn't want to play as Abby. So I, I don't want to discredit people who had those feelings. I just, that wasn't my reaction to it. My reaction was very much a, ooh, now I get to see what's going on with her and I want to I want to know more of the story. So I, I had assumed when she killed Joel that she was just one of the Fireflies. I did not assume that she was the daughter of one of the Fireflies that got killed by Joel. I thought that sure. that made me instantly intrigued. I was like, okay, I'll play as Abby. I'm not super pissed off because I understand her perspective, but I'm not sure if I can like this person because I I like Ellie and Joel so much. And it took a while. 
I, I, but what's interesting, I didn't hate her. I just kind of like, I'm bored at first. Yeah, and what's, in, what's interesting about that is we hate Abby because she kills Joel, who is like a father figure to Ellie, and we're rooting for Ellie to get her revenge. Then we find out that Joel killed Abby's father. Actual father. But we're still like, yeah, but Abby needs to die, right? I mean, she needs to go. Without, I wasn't, I wasn't know, completely like, at that. Once she, she had her first flashback, I wasn't at that she's evil and needs to go. But I was like, yeah. I don't know if I can if I can get invested in her story. Yeah, and I was I was still very much looking forward to the fight between Ellie yes, and Abby that I too. knew was coming. I was still looking forward to that. Um, I will say later on, I wasn't looking forward yes. to that. Oh yeah, it's but, very. Look into that later. That's, gets, that's incredible what they did there. So brutal, but yeah. Okay, so it, when did you start liking Abby? Because it took. I'll, I'll tell you what. I had I had a definite moment where I was like, okay, she's a pretty cool character. So I definitely during Seattle Day One, I wasn't caring for Abby. I liked everyone around Abby, especially Owen, who is her like like on again, off again boyfriend. He was a firefly with her back in the day, and like you know, uh, was with her. Then after her father died, and by the way, you, you know, you know, plain as Abby, that Ellie kills Owen and Owen's, uh, girlfriend who's pregnant, you know, all that you're you're walking around with future dead people. Yeah. Which is also great. Yes. Um, uh, you and you also get, uh, flashbacks with Joel as well. Yes. After watching him be brutally murdered. That's something and I didn't I even no, touch on that. I loved yeah. the flashback sequences. They were, for both characters, they were the highlight of the game for me. Uh, the, Absolutely. Going the, to the museum the and mu- just playing hats on dinosaurs made me so happy. Oh. And it's like, I miss Joel so much and I'm having such a good time with these yeah. characters. And then doing later on, you do a flashback at uh, at an aquarium with Abby and kind of like mirrors Ellie's thing. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's throughout the entire game, they really do a good job of having Abby and Ellie be parallels of each other. Somewhat. That are, you know. Definitely yeah, highlighted it, moments. It, but here's the difference between, and I'll tell you, uh, wait, did you say when you started liking Abby? I think we haven't gotten to that. I'm sorry, no, 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 no. I was, gonna, I was just saying that I, I was really liking everyone around Abby who was also there when they, you know, was, was helping kill Joel. Yes, I had no problem being like, oh, yeah, I really, you know, I like Manny. I like Owen. I like all these guys. Uh, you know, the one guy that Ellie uh, cuts his face, I can't remember his name. Didn't care for him. But for the most part, there were there were other characters that were there when Joel died that I found myself liking. When I started liking Abby would probably be in Seattle Day 2 uh, when she has, uh, she's already found these uh, these kids. Okay, I'm going to I'll I'll yeah, stop you right there. I'll stop you right there because I might start like Abby earlier than you did. Okay, so, okay. There's a sequence, and it's, it is so well done and so crazy. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful, scary shots in the entire game. Is that Abby is out? Uh, I can't. She's trying to get to Owen because uh, yeah. they, they need to get a message to him because he did something that that worries her. And right. while she's going out, there's this this cult called the Seraphites that are around there. Yeah. And she ends up getting caught by them and put in a noose, and she's getting fucking hung. And then this, this little little boy comes out. You know, was it a little boy or girl first? I can't remember. Uh, it's a was it uh, Lev? Was it Lev or young. 
Yara. It was Yara first, and then Lev comes in with the oh, bow yeah. and arrow. Yara, this little girl is brought out, her arms are broken, and then this little boy, her brother, comes out and saves the day, and then you kind of have this escort mission with him where you're fighting all these demons and trying to protect these kids. Uh, I really liked her during that sequence, especially when, because these kids are part of that cult, but they're being killed for reasons unknown at the moment. Uh, right. And there's a sequence where you're running away from them, and they have to go into a room that you can't get into yet, they have to find a way to let you in there. And you're she's yeah. like pissed off. She thinks she got ditched for trusting them. You have all these demons coming after you, and then she's finally saved. She's yeah. like, this is what I get for fucking trusting Seraphites. That whole sequence, especially like when the when you get cut down and you're fucking knocking back those demons with the with the pipe or whatever. So yeah. good and so intense. I think Abby's se- sequences were way more intense than Ellie's. Ellie's is more morally in, ro- ambiguous, but Abby's sure. were insane and what's interesting is abby's game gameplay style very much mirrors joel from the first last of us game where you know if you're if you're going through like stealth mode and stuff when you're playing as abby uh i'm sorry when you're playing as ellie you know you grab someone from behind and you stab them in the head and you put them down real quick when you're playing as abby you grab someone from behind and you choke them out and it takes longer just like how it took Joel longer in the first game. You have a lot of the same kind of weapons as, as Joel has. Like you have the shivs that you use instead of uh, knives. I just found a lot of the gameplay style to be similar to Joel from the first one. So which, I, again, I think was intentional probably. To, make you, to make you feel very, very much like how Abby, Abby is feeling towards these kids that are from the Seraphites the same way that Joel felt towards ellie in the first game where do you a, do you i don't do you? like them i don't want them around but then you, you she gradually starts to to care for them the same way that joel did for ellie in the first game did you have here's here's we're gonna here's a, a point of contention for a lot of people i found online people didn't like yeah. abby because of her arms abby has these huge tree trunk arms she's more buff yeah. than most guys out there now i didn't have a problem yeah, no, with no. that for me i thought it was okay it's just a different kind of uh, woman than we're used to seeing in video games. Nobody in this game yeah. is sexualized, even if they're female. And she just has a different build. I was fine with that. I didn't mind that at all. I didn't either. I yeah no. She has eno- she has arms that are the size of my legs. She yeah. has enormous arms. But it also made sense for her character because at this point she's you know she's lost her her dad. And she's lost herself in this idea of revenge and is just mad at the world to the point of she just focuses on being like this, the best soldier she can be. She's like the top, top uh, seraphite killer for this militant group. She, you know, that's all she does is just focuses on, on work. So it makes sense for her to have these huge, it wasn't just an arbitrary choice. And it was such a great move from, yeah, the usual take of like, oh, well, we're going to have a female character, but we need to make her sexy too, right? Yeah. She's, you know, and she's not... She's not ugly or anything like that, but she's just yeah, not she's sexualized. she's not unattractive. She's just not as feminine as as other characters in the game. And even Ellie, Ellie is is maybe not like, like the same kind of thing as, as Abby, but she's never like... They don't put her in like a weird top or anything like that or accentuate yeah. her butt or anything like that. There's a scene where you see her take her shirt off, but it's from behind. It's to show how fucked up her back is. 
That's about it. Yeah, they don't, absolutely. They don't sexualize oh, any of the with, women. It's the same with Abby. I mean, there's a sex scene in, in the game with Abby where I, at no point was I going like, oh, yeah, we get to see, you know, we get to see Abby, you know, having sex and we get to see the sexy woman. It, it, there was none of that. It was it was a completely different reaction because of who she's having yeah. sex with and what's going on. You have a completely different reaction to it than you would for, say, a sex scene in, like, Game of Thrones. Yes. You know, where it's, it's really just put in there because it's HBO and we need to have boobs. Okay, so my, my time I started liking Abby was around the end of day one. And also the whole sequence getting to... to to Owen with the fucking yeah. infected ship stressed me the fuck out. Oh, it was so good. It was so, I, I, there were a couple times in this game, I'm not that much of a gamer. I, I'm not that good at yeah. games compared to, I'm a filthy casual. And there were a couple times in this game, <laughs> it was like, I love this game, but it's too hard for me. And that ship was almost a point where I was like, I don't know if I can beat this thing. It was too much for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, okay, so we got to my point where I started liking Abby. When did you start liking Abby? I would say that after, so she gets to Owen at the end of day one, she gets to Owen. We do another flashback where we see her with Owen a couple years earlier. They're still dating. She doesn't and, have yeah, the arms the yet. Through, she didn't have the arms yet, but she's starting to, because she mentions like Owen gives her a boost up and she's, and uh, he makes a mention of how strong she is. She goes, Oh yeah, I, you know, I pressed uh, 185 today. So they're already, they're giving you hints that yeah she's she's going down this path. Um, I would say that that whole scene of her with Owen in the aquarium was where I started to like Abby, but it was almost a uh, uh, a, a different take than than most people I would say, which is I liked Owen, and I saw how much Owen liked Abby, so I started going, oh well, if Owen likes Abby, maybe there's something there that I'm not seeing. And so I started looking more in, you know, at trying to look at Abby the way that Owen looks at Abby. So you needed a man to explain to you why you could like Abby. Absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, I needed I needed to be mansplained to. No, it's very. I think it's very similar to, uh, you know, there might be. I, I've had this happen in my life where, you know, there might be someone that I didn't care for, but one of my friends starts dating them, and at first I'm like, oh, really? You're dating him or you're dating her? And then I get to, you know, hanging out with them and going like, oh, well you know, they might be okay. You know, maybe I should start looking into this, looking at this person the way my friend is looking. I had that exact same thing with Abby. And then right after that is when she goes back, she's left the, the kids, the, uh, the therapeutic kids. Uh, they've holed up in a, in like a, a construction yard in like a cubicle in a construction yard. Yeah. And she goes back to them. And that was when I was like, okay. So we're, you know, we're starting to see her humanity come back. That was when I started feeling differently about uh, about her. And that whole second day of her with Lev going through the sky bridge and everything was well, my they, favorite part. That. They really humanize her during that thing because Abby has this fear of heights and yeah. you have to go through this bridge and she's like crossing all these thin beams and Lev's just trying to help her get through. Uh, now, we, we got to mention because there's another controversy thing. Uh, yeah. Lev. Lev, yep. for, Lev for me is one, is my favorite is pro probably my favorite character in the game. I love that guy. He's like uh, he's like the moral compass of the game for me. Sure. But some people okay, there are two different sides of why there's controversy with this character. One side is that people were were very mad that there is a transgender storyline in here. 
Because love is right. transgender. He identifies as a male. Born yes. technically, yet what the other but he's he's a male. If you believe right. if you if you are one of the people that accepts that that stuff, which you should, he is a male. And you find out that right. storyline when uh and a lot of people don't like that shit. They again were pissed off about woke nature. Now here's the other yeah. thing that people were pissed off about. Some transgender people were mad because Love is dead named. That's how you find out that Love is right. transgender, is that they shout out the name that his mother gave him, right. which is a girl's name. Now, some transgender people like were not happy about being dead named. The creator spoke about this and said, we know it's bad to dead name someone. We did as sparingly as possible. It was important for the story. And Lev was played by a transgender male. So I feel like that right. speaks for it. They're mad that the story was written by straight white men, but like if, if straight white people couldn't talk about these things, then it would be in a lot less things right. if there were more straight white people. So right. at least they're, they're making the effort and they had a transgender person play the character. That's my point of view. Sure. They made it as good as they possibly could. And I think it helps enhances the game. It's about mm-hmm. learning to accept others different than yourself. I absolutely agree with you. The one thing that I'm, I'm shocked that Naughty Dog didn't say, and I think they didn't say because they're still trying to play nice with everyone because there's so much controversy and so much vitriol hatred for, for choices made in this game that I can't believe they didn't say this, but I think it's it's pretty pretty obvious thing that needs to be pointed out. The people that are dead naming Lev are trying to kill him. Yes. At no point does anyone who is upset that he is getting dead named mention oh by the way they're also trying to kill him i know it's all about context yeah i would much rather if i were and and i can only speak for myself on this if i were a transgender person and someone i would much rather be dead named than be dead yeah i mean honestly if if abby was like oh okay well i'm gonna use that name now then it would be a problem but it's the bad guys Lev also said something in the game that I thought was so profound and probably pissed people off, but I haven't found anything about it. So the Seraphite cult follows this person that like basically did well, a bunch of things that they considered to be miracles. And they follow this woman right. and hope that they would help her life. Lev said that they were not violent until she died and they started using her message to justify their own beliefs. And yeah, I was they like, started taking her writings and stuff out of context. And I was like, oh, that speaks to so much about re- yeah. regular religion nowadays. I'm sure Christian people are Absolutely. like, you talking about us? Better not be talking about us. Yeah, it's, it was really, it was walking a very fine line between, uh, between being interesting and offensive, I think. But not that I would be offended by it. It was just, a you know, I could definitely very much like you see someone being like, being offended, if we're already getting offended at people calling Lev by by his name that his mother gave him, we're, you know, it's not uh, a far stretch that people are going to be upset at some of the religious stuff that's put in here as well. Um, I, I, I am very much like you. I am shocked that, that more people haven't uh, brought that stuff up. Um, it's it's but, a great uh, statement, though. It's, it's tr- I don't care what anyone says. It's a fucking true statement. So many people use... Yeah. I don't think religion is necessary. I am atheist, but I don't think anything's wrong with religion. As long as you don't yeah. use it to justify hatred, then I have Absolutely. a problem with it. Uh, yeah, so- I'm the exact same. I'm the exact same way. I'm an atheist. I don't have a problem with with anyone choosing any religion. I have a problem with anyone choosing someone else's actions because of their religion. Yes, that's a, it. Gets into a whole different thing. But it's 
I, I think they did a good job in this of showing uh, two groups of people, the, the WLF and the Seraphites, who have both gone from... Because there was... A, you find out through, through artifacts in the game that there used to be a truce between them yes. that, has, that has since fallen out. And Isaac, the leader of the WLF, even says at one point when they're, when they're talking about how to fix things, he says, we, we can't have another truce. It'll just fall apart again. We need to have like a, you know, for lack of a better term, we need to have a final solution. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's both sides so of bad people in it. And both yeah. Side... It's so interesting to see two groups that are, are so similar in their, in their downward spiral into an almost fundamentalism. This, this game has so much to say, and I think did brilliantly. Yeah. Something I really loved, okay, yeah. so during the second day, you go to the hospital, you're trying to find medication because uh, Love's sister Yara, had some, her arms were messed up so bad that she needs, basically, she needs, like, one of them to get cut off or something like that. Yeah, she needs her, her left arm needs to be amputated. And so they're going to the hospital to get medication, uh, where, which the WLF holds, which is what Abby's a part of. And you get there, and you're going into this basement thing, and the power's off in this section of the hospital. So you turn it on. Flashback yeah. to day two with Ellie. There's a point where you go into yeah. a basement, and they go like, why is the power suddenly on? It's because of what you did yeah. as Abby later. I thought they did such a great job of like, these little details that connect yeah, things later a, on. It's so well done. There's a bunch of those. There's, uh, when you're playing as Ellie, and you come, I think it's the second time you come across the Seraphites as Ellie, uh, a couple of them are walking past you and they're talking about Lev and Yara. Uh, when I, and if anyone, I, I hope no one's offended by this, but I'm just quoting them when, uh, when the Seraphites are saying, oh, did you hear about Lily, which is Lev's original name? And they say, you know, and the other one says, you know, oh, yes, they're, you know, they're poor mother. And they're just, you hear these two gossiping and you think nothing of it. You think it's just a, a you know a conversation that that Naughty Dog put in there so that you have some sort of conversation going on between these two as they're walking past you. Come to find out hours later that they're talking about something that you're about to discover. That's really cool. Um, I, I only played the game once. You said you played this game three yeah. times, so you probably yeah, got a lot more details than I did. I've gone through it a couple of times. Yeah, the uh, the, the other one that got me was uh, we were talking before about the the dogs. Uh, when you're playing as Ellie, there is an area where you, uh, where if you kill one of the dogs, uh, the, the handler with the dog says, you know, yells out his name, which is Bear. Yeah, I remember that. You know, they're like, no, Bear. And uh, when you're playing day one with Abby, uh, you go down into the dog kennels to get Alice, the dog that you have to kill as yeah. Ellie later on. But the other dog in the kennel with Alice is bear. Yeah, I love how you play fetch with both the dogs you have with two two of the big dogs you kill. You play fetch and yeah. pet these dogs. And you're like, I killed you. It's so yeah, no, no, no. Up. They really and again, that's that's another one of those times that Naughty Dog kind of put puts a mirror up to the player and says, Look what you did. Yeah, you killed this dog, and now you we're making you play fetch with them, and don't you feel terrible? All right, now this part doesn't speak to anything big. I thought it was super intense. What did you think of the fucking Rat King in the basement of the hospital? <laughs> I thought it was spectacular. I I loved every second of it. It was uh, the first time I played through it. I I probably I think I got rid of all of my ammo. 
I have since gotten my my technique down on how to on how to kill it. But uh, for anyone who 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 doesn't know, the Rat King is uh, you're in the hospital, which is the uh, ground zero of where the infection was, and they just took all the infected bodies and stored them in one like just threw them all in one room, and it has been locked up there for uh, decades now at this point, and you've turned the power back on in the hospital. So now all these power doors are opening up. And when you come back into this room, this power door that was closed before and locked is opened and you see a, a just a, a wall to wall, uh, just flash pretty much, but there's a giant gaping hole in it. Come to find out later on, it's all of these, it's like a bloater, three clickers, the stalker, there's a bunch of them. And they've all fused together into what is called in the game the Rat King, uh, which is a, a, a actual thing that can happen with rats where they their tails get entangled and they just become one big mass. So yeah, it's this huge um, mass. You're in the basement of the hospital. It's wet. The floor is flooded, and you're getting chased yeah, around. If this thing dark, touches you only once, by your flashlight. yeah, and this if this creature grabs you, you touches you, you're dead. It will lift you up. It will yeah. break off limbs. It will break your neck. There's like four different ways it can kill you. I've only found two, but I heard there are like four. And it is yeah. stress, stress. That is another time I almost quit. Especially because Abby said something that was very misleading to me. I was shooting it and she said something along, along the lines of this isn't going to work. So I figured like, oh, okay, this isn't something I fight. This is something I run away from. Uh, so I spent so yeah. much time running around and there's like an exit sign. And so I go like, okay, go to the exit. And then where's the fucking exit? And so I just go running around in circles until I get killed. I, had to, I cheated. I looked up online how to, and I was like, oh, I got to kill this thing. And until that point, yeah. I have never used anything but guns. And I was like, oh, I guess I can use these proximity mines I've just been holding on to. And then I, I yeah. beat it. But it, I was so stressed out. I quit that first night after I got killed like six times. Like, I can't do this. I considered quitting the game entirely until I looked it up. Yeah. And still, I was so stressed out. It's stupid. There's there's a couple areas. How stressed out I got. I have that in the first game. One of the one of the achievements in the first game is to play on on grounded difficulty, which is the hardest difficulty. You don't have your your heads up display or anything, so you can't. You have nothing on screen to tell you how many bullets you have, or anything. you just have to keep a mental count. It's much more realistic than it is like a video game. Uh-huh. Uh, you don't have listen mode stuff like that, and uh, they have there, there's moments in the in the first game that. I mean, I've played it a uh, hundred times, but I still, you know, I'll, I'll spend a day just trying to get through those areas. I definitely think if I were to play on on the hardest difficulties on this one, the the Rat King would be uh, one of those areas where it's like, yeah, I'm going to spend a day trying to get past this. I can't do. I I play games on the easiest setting. I just want the story. I don't. Oh, I don't need. Don't challenge me to that shit. The, the second I saw there were no trophies or anything to play on a harder difficulty uh, on Last of Us Part 2. I absolutely, I just put it on easy. I will eventually do like a hardest difficulty just to see if I can do it. But uh, it's, yeah, it is, it is, it's a completely different experience. All right. So then day three, I know we're bringing apart Abby more than Ellie, but I feel like Ellie is just like yeah. a singular mo- mind of like, she has to fucking kill Abby. Whereas like Abby, what I, I like, big- what I liked about, okay, Ellie's, Start you start off liking her, and as time goes on, she has more and more fucked up things. Where you feel a little questioning in your loyalty for her. El Abby, well, Abby, you start off you don't really like her that much, but and I think that it is pur- pur- purposely. Most of her stuff she's doing is altruistic. She's trying yeah. to help out people the entire time, and I think that's a way to endear you to her. You see her vulnerabilities, and she see how she acts when she's with Lev or with Yara or with Owen, and how she's always trying to do the right. She's done bad things. 
but she's trying to become yeah. a better person. And seeing someone grow rather than seeing someone become horrible is a really good bonding experience. And so Absolutely. Abby Hat has a great storyline with that. That's the that's the big thing with Ellie is throughout her story, you see her just constantly making the wrong decision. And it's it's purposefully done to show that you know, as she stays on this path of revenge, she's going to lose more and more of not only herself, but of her friends, you know, uh, just at the end of the first day when, when Dina tells her, you know, I think I'm pregnant. That's her first chance of just, Hey, let's just turn back. Let's go home. You shouldn't be here, but she doesn't do that. She sticks with it and suffers even more. And then when, when Jesse shows up, uh, who's the father of the baby, you, you know, they again say we should be getting out of here we should be getting out of here and they don't and then they end up finding you know they find tommy and then jesse dies and all you know all these things are happening ellie ends up killing a pregnant woman and you know all this stuff is happening all because she won't leave they keep telling her you know there's there's a, a few moments in the game where the characters keep telling ellie we need to go we need to leave and just and forget this and she won't do it, and she suffers the consequences for that. Now, Abby, on the other hand, is is very different in that everyone start. You know, Owen keeps saying to her, you know, uh, there's a great scene where where he says in the aquarium how the fireflies weren't very much different from the seraphites, and that they were, you know, they had done bad, bad things too, and they they were fundamentalists, and they you know killed innocents and all sorts of stuff. And now you're seeing Abby starting to listen to to advice like that and starting to, to get her humanity back. It, it's exactly as you said, it's a, it's a much more intriguing story and, a, and one that you can, uh, I, I, I don't want to say identify with, but one that you like watching. You could root for more. So exactly. So uh, day three was probably the least scary day. Like there's not much horror yeah. element in, in day three. I was able to breeze right through that one, but it has some of the mm. greatest set pieces. So Lev yeah. runs away to go find his mother, who's the reason why people are trying to kill him in the first place. She she will kill Lev if she finds him, but he wants to bring his mother with him when they leave with Abby. Uh, they're all going to go back to California to find the Fireflies because the other going back up again. Yeah, the Fireflies are regrouping in Santa Barbara from what they hear, so and, they're all going to leave for that. And Abby has done some things, which now makes it so she can't go back to the Wolves or WLF. Yeah. And so you go to this, you end up going to the island that the cult is on. And you had to sneak past him to try to get to Lev. Lev accidentally kills his mother. And Yara ends up getting killed in, the, in this process. But then they have the right. sequence of escaping from the island, which is one of my favorite oh. sequences in the entire game. You're riding a I horse. Agree. The town's on fire. Things are falling down in your path. It is just a, just beautiful. Some of this yeah. most fun. It wasn't even stressful. It was just like, wow. No. Part of the when gameplay. Yeah, there's a point where you, uh, where Abby and Lev are on a horse riding through the town is called Haven and it's all on fire and you're shooting other people that are, you know, on horses trying to kill you. And you're, it's, it, it's exactly as you said, it's not stressful. It's, you're just sitting there going, Oh my God, this is awesome. And then after you, you save Lev, you get off the Island, you come back to the aquarium and you find the thing that you did yesterday as Ellie, which is you find wow. the dead dog, you find your friends dead. Who you, who you just played fetch with? By yeah, the way. they make they make you play fetch. Like throw the ball like yeah. three times with this dog. Yeah, and so then you you find something that Ellie left behind when she freaked out about killing a pregnant woman, 
and she finds her way back to the end of the first part of the game. Ellie, as Abby, you kill you kill uh, Jesse. Jesse, that's his name. Uh, yes, yeah. You kill uh, Jesse. Jesse comes running out, and, and Abby shoots him. In the and face. then it turns into you are Abby, and you have to fucking kill Ellie. And I was like, yeah. I don't want to do this. I still love Ellie. I know she's done wrong, but I don't want to do this. And there, this sequence is so great because if you don't do anything, at Ellie will fuck you up. But yep. if you do things like you have to, you have to beat her. And then at the end of the sequence, you, they make you do a quick time event where you're pressing square repeatedly. And as you're doing it, it's making you hold on while you're choking the life out of Ellie. It's like yeah. I don't want to do this. Please, please, someone make me stop. Like it's like it's like the line people use like in in uh, Lifetime movies. Like, look at what you made me do when a guy beats his wife. Yeah. I was like, yeah. why are you stop, stop making me do this? And then of right. course, love comes is, in to save the day. That- but isn't that great? Because again, it's holding up a mirror to the player. This was the moment that we wanted. We wanted to have Ellie fight Abby. And even at the end of Ellie's story, when you saw Abby there and it cuts to Abby day one, you were still like, oh, God damn it. I want to get back to, I want to do the fight. Come on, let me fight. I don't want to play as Abby. I want to fight. And then when they get you back to that fight, not only do you have to play as Abby, which you don't want, and you have to fight Ellie, which you don't want, you also get to see Ellie in a new light, which is how every other person in the game pretty much would see Ellie as she's fucking deadly force to be reckoned with setting traps for you and sneaking around and doing all the things that you've done to everyone else in this game. It's yeah. It's amazing how they made you, how they manipulated your emotions to, to, want this until you finally get it and then you go oh i don't i don't want to watch this so then dina comes in and she hits you over the head when uh when you're fighting with with ellie you grab dina and you're about ready to slice her throat ellie goes like no she's pregnant and abby says good which is a fucking horrible line i know i th- i thought I it's thought a good sure line a horrible say on her right there but then lev yeah. stops her and she's like okay just leave i don't i never want to see you again and then it flashes right. forward like and just like a year later you're on a farmer's alley. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is like, this is like a little bit you do before the end credits. I, I've beaten the game. Exactly. It's a little anticlimactic. I felt like it should have had something more, but it, I, I still it liked it. Me, yeah, it reminded me of the end of the first game where you're just kind of walking with Joel in the woods at the very end. I thought for sure, like, okay, yeah, this is the very end. Got it. I had work the next day, but I was like, like I could play for a little bit longer. I just need to finish this. It was super <laughs> late. I was like, okay, I'm playing. I'm playing for like an hour. <laughs> it's just like, this isn't ending. Yeah. And then you you realize, okay, this is just showing you her life on this farm and her living with Dina, with her with Dina's child. Jesse's dead. And, like, the happy life that she could possibly have, but she's not content. And then uh, Tommy comes by and makes it all worse. Which, yeah, Tommy, I, I, Tommy I'll say, has a lead on where, 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 on Abby, where is. Abby is. One thing I'll say, that's one of the things that bugs me about this game, is that Tommy was mm. one of the people who was telling her to let it go at the end of the day day three for ellie and now he's like guilt tripping her it felt out of character still like it i can understand that but my feeling is the first time that he said i don't want you to do it he was being very protective of her and he his feeling was i don't want you to go and do this because i'm gonna go do this no i'm better at this than you are it's on day three of ellie's thing when she tell when he tells her to go home that they're they're all gonna go home and then he changes his right. mind. Also, the fact that he survived getting a bullet to the, to like the fucking face from like point blank range. Yeah, he's got he's was, got like a dead eye now. He's got a limp. It's, he can't, it's he a little can't, ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. I still I love think, this game, but uh, I thought that was a little ridiculous. 
I think that's also a, a, a point, though, of why he wants Ellie to do it. It's like he says, when she says no to it, she turns him down, and he says, well, shit, I can't do it. Oh, I, I, I got what they're saying at, at that moment. I felt like it contradicted yeah. with earlier version of yeah, him. I feel, I feel that back, back in, in Seattle, he was saying, let's go because... He was going to come back later? Listen, we've got, we've got, yeah, we've got, a, we've got a pregnant girl here. This is much bigger than what we thought. There's a there's a civil war about to break out between the Seraphites and the WLF, and we're about to get in the middle of this. We should, you know, let's just let's go out of here and let's regroup. I feel like that was his. I I understand, I understand your thought process. It it doesn't yeah. sit well with me, but it's fine. I still sure. think it's a great game. But then you go to yeah. uh, you go you go, you like she has post traumatic stress. She's flashing back to things. She's unhappy. Then Abby, you go over to her. And she's like, she and Lev are in Santa Santa Barbara or something like that, and they're they looking yep. for the fireflies. They think, okay, we're gonna finish up this sequence, and then it's gonna go to credits, and then she gets fucking kidnapped, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. the fuck, and then Ellie gives up her life. It's like she's like, I'm gonna go f- go hunt down Abby and kill her, and Dina's like, you leave, I am not gonna be here for you, and she leaves anyway, yeah. and fucks all that shit up, and you go back to hunting for Abby. I'm like, wait, there's more. Yeah. This so was, what did you think? Were you annoyed you and, I, that? you and I had the, you and I kind of had the same thing where you said like, oh yeah, I had work the next day and I had you know, and I kept playing for an hour. I the first time I beat this game, it was seven a.m. By the time I rolled credits on it, because I just played throughout the night because <laughs> it kept it just kept going and kept going. I finally just like, nope, I'm just I'm not getting any sleep. I'm just gonna I need to finish this game. Um, yeah, I, and I loved the Santa Barbara the third part act of the game. The third act is it really was, good. It just was surprising that it was there. It's absolutely surprising that it's there. And they did such a good job of making it. I mean, it really did look, as a California native, I can say, like, wow, this really looks like a, a, an overgrown Santa Barbara. This is exactly what it looked like. Even down to, like, the the infected characters, like, have sunburns. And, I didn't and notice just, like, that. They look completely... Yeah, they look completely different from the infected characters. You only encounter a few of them uh, in Santa Barbara, but they look like completely different from the characters that are in like Seattle and such. Yeah, so um, in Santa Barbara, you you hunt through you as as Ellie, you go through a little bit of infected, and then eventually you find the compound yeah. where Abby is being held, and you have to yeah, hunt through the all beast. these people to find. You kill a bunch of people, and you let loose a bunch of people to go fucking kill all the bad guys. And then yeah, you, as, as everyone's escaping, you find out that Abby's been bas- basically crucified, set up there, but she's still alive on the water. Yeah. You cut her down. You cut love down. Like, okay, we're walking together. Maybe Ellie realizes that everything's good now and that they, she doesn't need to kill her. And then she's, yeah, she's can't. Like, like that she's suffered enough. Yeah. yeah. But then she's like, she can't fucking let it go. And they, you yeah. have the, this time you have another fight sequence. This time as Ellie versus Abby. And it was, again, it was like, I don't want to do this. Don't make me do this. Yeah. But if you don't do this, Abby will fucking kill you. You have to do the thing over again. And, and again, not to, not to beat a dead horse, but it's such a great moment of, again, we wanted this fight. And when we finally got the fight, but we were playing as Abby, we're like, oh, I don't want to play as Abby. I want to play as Ellie. I want to do this fight as Ellie. And now the game says, okay, well, now you can do this fight, but now you're as Ellie. And you go, oh, but now I don't want that. It's 
it does such a good job of, of turning the mirror on you and saying, look at what you wanted. And do you really want that? And, and I absolutely agree with you. It was when they start fighting at the end, you're just, I likened it to like the end of, of uh, like Marvel civil war. When you see like cap and iron man fighting and you're just like, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want to watch these characters. I like both of these guys. I don't want them to fight. Okay, so, okay, a lot of people were mad about this. This is another controversial thing. So at the end yeah. of the fight, Ellie has a flashback to Joel while she's choking out Abby, which I thought I was going to fucking kill her. And yeah. after this flashback, which is about her forgiving Joel, or not forgiving, but attempting to forgive him. After, like, start, she, yeah, starting to Because she knew at this point, she knew at this point that Joel had lied about what had happened at the end of the first game. And... Yeah. So then she stops killing. She stops choking Abby. They go on the separate ways, and that's she goes back to the farm, and it's empty. And that's pretty much where you leave. She lost one of her fingers. She can't play the guitar anymore, which is really big in this game. Lost two fingers. That's what I said. Oh, did I say one? I meant two. I mean, yeah. Not on camera right now, but I'm holding that hand like I like I'm missing <laughs> those fingers. Uh, she can't play the guitar anymore, which is like a connection she had with Joel. And her her wife left her. Everything's fucked. And then she walks off into the. You know what's don't know what's going to happen with her next. Uh, sure. And then it, it ends. A lot of people are mad, like, there was no end to this game. She didn't kill Abby. That's the whole point of the game. It's like, that's not the point of the game. But okay. That's what did you think of the ending? And it, it's very much, it's like the first game. It has it an ambiguous ending. Um, I love the ending, and I'll tell you why. There's a scene in the first game that I think a lot of people don't think about, which is... In the first game, uh, there's a character who is bit, but uh, no one really knows it yet. And uh, uh, Sam uh, gets bit, and he and he's having a conversation with Ellie, and he says, "What are you afraid of?" And she starts kind of joking with him, and he brushes her off because she's being all jokey. And she suddenly gets serious and says, uh, "Being alone, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of ending up alone." Ooh, that and is a good time. Right? That's I didn't even exactly ne- what happens at the end. I didn't even need that. I thought the ending worked without that, but that is an added layer yeah. of beauty with this thing. But what also what also ties in this thing is like, okay, people are pissed off because this ending didn't give them what they were going after the entire time. But the first right. game, the entire time, the plot is you are going to bring this girl to the fireflies and they're going to make a vaccine. You're gonna save the yeah. world with this vaccine, and you don't fucking do that. You go against that, yeah. you actually kill all chance of that. Same thing with this. Yeah. It's a revenge story, but it's about the story is about trying to kill Abby. But the what it's really about is seeing things from different perspectives and learning yep. uh, about kind of learning. The, the, well, of course, the, the trite thing is to say revenge is wrong, but it's more than that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's just I've never seen a story put together this well. I think this might sound a little bit grand, but I think Last of Us and Last of Us Part Two are the best told story in any medium. I was blown away by this. I thought it was so... The acting was well done. The story is well done. The gameplay is well done. And what it makes you feel is so profound because you were so much a part of it. I've never had this experience. It was like a religious awakening for me. I love this game. My wife doesn't play these games, but she has not heard me stop talking about it since (laughs) I beat it like three weeks ago. Yeah, no, and my wife was the same way. I think she only played them to get me to shut up about it. Um, she, yeah, it's, it's, I feel the exact same way. I think that these, these video games are, I feel it's a stepping stone to a new type of, or 
I don't want to say a new type of video game, but a new way of doing video games that focuses way more on story than it does on, on gameplay. Not that gameplay isn't important, because I, I do find it something we didn't really talk about too much, but they really did uh, uh, improve the gameplay uh, of this game from the previous one. Not that the previous one was bad, but they really did, they took things that, that didn't work or that were buggy or, or stuff like that and really made it better. Even if it's just things like hiding in tall grass or going completely prone and crawling under a, a car or something. The fact that, you know, you were sitting there in the first game going, oh man, why can't I like hide under the car or something like that? And now they've said, oh yeah, we put that in there. Yeah, that the, the, uh, great um, gameplay. Something else I love, I follow the actress who played Abby on, on Twitter. Wow. Uh, and she she's posting a thing about the game and she's showing a fight sequence that she had. And I think it's in like a, a an area where you're fighting off a bunch of stalkers. And wow. this person who played this really fucking just tore up those stalkers no, like in a way I didn't know it was possible. And she's like, I didn't know I could sure. do this. And I was like, that's crazy because <laughs> it's completely right. I played Abby and Ellie almost identical, but I've seen online. That's not the way you're supposed to do it. There are different gameplays with these two characters and they really tried oh, to make yeah. it so it's a whole different experience if you're willing to experiment, experiment, which I wasn't. I just played them exactly the same. Yeah, it's... um. It, yeah, like I said, uh, Abby's Abby's way of uh, of playing her play style mirrors Joel from the first one a lot more. So I feel like if people really liked how Joel uh, how it felt to play as Joel in the in the first game, you're gonna like playing as Abby at least from just a gameplay uh, standpoint. I will say, if you're interested at all, I'll give a, a shout out to someone on on YouTube. There's a guy named Anthony Caliber who's a, uh, uh, a Twitch uh, streamer. He's, he's, he's on YouTube as well, which is where I find him. Does uh, speed runs of... He's done the first game. He's already started doing speed runs of the second game. Uh, I think he has the world record for fastest time going through the game. Um, and he even sat down... He did a series where he sat down with uh, Nolan North, who uh, was the voice actor of David from the first game. Or if and you play Uncharted, yeah. he's, he's the lead in those who, games. Who is also yeah? Who is also the lead in Uncharted, um, and he's speed running through the game with Nolan North right there, who has played through the game and is and Nolan North is going, oh my god, I didn't know you could do this. How are you? How are you done already? This is unbelievable. Um, and again, that's something that I really like about about these games is there's no one way to go through it. You can play a hundred different ways. You can go through stealthy. You can go through aggressive. You can sneak around you can do whatever you want and you can change it up in in the game you don't have to play the whole game as a stealthy character you can decide oh no my character would you know sneak through this area and then shoot everyone up in this area you know it's it, it's just such a, a an accessible game for people i think i think we could both agree on one thing too so the actress who played abby who has received a ton of death threats both for her and her children because she killed yeah. Joel. I think we can both agree, even if you didn't like the game, that's not necessary. Yeah, fuck those people. Yeah. No, and no, I'm not fuck, saying fuck I'm not saying people. I'm not that's saying it's it's bad if you hate the game. You can hate the game. I do yeah. I do call people and think it's out and think it's bad if you hate it because it had uh quote unquote woke storylines like grow the fuck up. Yeah. But if you don't like the gameplay or the story doesn't work for you, 
that's cool. Everything's open to interpretation. But no matter what, if you like or dislike, even if I hated this thing, I would not threaten the life of a person who played a character yeah. in the game. That's fucking stupid. Yeah, no. Anyone, any, I mean, someone who has threatened the voice actor of, of a character because they don't like the game. I mean, either you thought it was funny, in which case, I mean, you know, go fuck yourself. That's not funny. Or you were serious, in which case you just, you need help. That's just ridiculous. To, yeah. I, I remember when I read that she was getting death threats. I just couldn't believe, like, people have taken this so seriously. It's like they don't realize. Um, Joel's not, he's not a real character. He's just, he's not a real person. He's just a character. And actually, he and the girl who played Abby get along. They like each yeah. other. So it's like. Yeah, Troy, Troy Baker is alive and well and, and doing wonderful work. So everyone just needs to just calm down. Either play the game or don't, and then just, you know, call it a day. There are more important things going on right now. I'm not sure if you heard about this COVID-19 thing. Yeah, right. okay. Yeah, we're already in the middle of a, of a pandemic. We don't need to be adding, you know, any, any uh, mushroom viruses on top of this. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Gavin. Uh, this, oh, is the longest, this, fun. this is the longest podcast I've ever recorded personally of any of my podcasts, I think. I don't think I've ever gotten the two hour blame marks. myself for that one. I, I know I get long winded, so I'm no, sure that's cool. it was entirely my fault. Well, I never reviewed a game before, and there's a lot more to cover in a video game that's this that has this much in it than there is with a the movie. There's there's yeah, thirty hours fair, of gameplay. There's thirty hours of gameplay and movies are two hours, so there's a lot to cover. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a even for a video game, it's a long game. It was supposed to be longer, it was supposed to be five days. I know, they they days. cut it down because they thought it hurt the storyline a little bit to have that much. Which it would have. I yeah. thought. I felt like they they were pushing it. It was is one of my favorite games of all time. But they were pushing it with that length. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this. If I see something else come up that I think uh, might be interesting to talk to you with, or if you have something that uh, come up that you think would be a great idea to come on the show for, uh, we'll get in contact with this again. This is a lot of yeah. fun, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And though, for those yeah, of you, for those of you who are still listening. Uh, I recently got a suggestion to review the HBO Max show Love Life, the Anna Kendrick show, uh, from uh, listener uh, Mark H. My wife and I have already finished the series and intend to do that for the next episode, so check that out. All right, thank you all for listening. This has been Unlicensed Entertainment. Thank you, Gavin. Oh, thanks a lot, man. appreciate it. Thank you. All right, bye.